0: Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up whatever you want, toll-free. 800-259-9231 as we launch an hour number one of the program. It's Ian here with you. And Wade. And Mark. Once again, that number is 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features uh, on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Start things out tonight. Uh, to talk a little bit more about something that came up at the beginning of the week when, I don't know if you uh, you heard this episode, Wayne, but Mark has come out in favor... Oh,
1: God. I'm he loves he just loves parading this around. <laughs> I think it's
0: wonderful. I think it's excellent news. Uh, he's come out in favor of secession.
2: Wow. I thought you were going to tell me he was a gay porn star or no, something. No,
0: that was in his old life. Uh, <laughs> okay. But yeah, I, I thought it was great news. Uh, I thought it was something that uh, deserved to be discussed. We talked about it, of course, on Monday night. And then just so happened that the next day on Lou Rockwell uh the uh, michael rozoff one of the authors there wrote an article called on dissolving the united states of america so this must be synergy or something like that yeah it's some something that uh was meant to be mark and well
1: i, I i'm not saying that i think that the secession's the only solution uh but i'm open to the idea it's a darn good one um, it, it seems <laughs> it, it at this point looking at the ron paul campaign the 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 the, the, in, the incredible amount of uh work that and money that people have put into the ron paul campaign mm-hmm. to get something done and so little, the, the you know, the, the small amount that's occurred so far. Maybe we'll see something uh, really incredible happening. But miraculous. It, yeah. it, it's getting into that category very soon.
2: You know, it's funny, last Wednesday when Mark seemed very discouraged, I saw, I could kind of feel that bubbling up in him, and I just didn't know what, what was going to come out of it. <laughs> I think there you go. I think it's pretty cool that uh, you finally spoke up and uh, you let it kind of come through you.
1: So, um, I, you know, I, I just don't think that anything can be done with. Uh, the United States government uh, by it's hopeless. It really is uh, by people who are organized. Um, they're motivated. They're doing things, and you know, there's there's I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of people are Ron Paul supporters. How many people are really
0: at least a few hundred thousand? I would think
1: the the really on board here, and and nothing's getting done. All they want is freedom. All they want is the government to leave them alone, and they. Are getting nowhere with
0: that? Well, because the majority of people are still voting for the other guys.
1: Right, the majority of people want uh, want to be in control of your life. They want to tell you what to do, and it's it's sickening.
2: I'm not going to go that far, but I will say that I think you have to let things reach critical mass, and and they're quickly approaching that. And there are a, a certain percentage of Americans who still are snowed by the establishment.
0: You think but, that you think it's reaching it's quickly approaching critical mass on a nationwide scale? The ideas of, of freedom. Well, yes, I do, and I think that in the that's coming that's awfully optimistic. In, in the coming years, I like years, that. I like optimism, but I don't see it, man. Well, you you got to look
2: at demographics first. You know, the younger people coming. We did up. look
0: at some of those uh, statistics. I don't. I, were you here on, on that episode where we uh, where we we chewed on some of the Ron Paul exit polls from New Hampshire? Uh,
2: I I wasn't on the show that day, but I think uh, I did listen to the podcast. Young people, where, yes,
0: yeah, young people, and actually, a religious people were more likely than anyone else to uh, to vote for Ron Paul.
2: Yeah, I think Ron Paul may may have could I think maybe his, the way he's positioned himself might not be totally optimal, but but he's really sticking to his principles and and I understand that and he's not uh playing to uh, one audience differently from the other and I think that's good, that's straightforward and we need more of that and it's very refreshing. But uh no, I I think over time as as um people start to realize just how um messed up our country and our economy have become from all of the democrat or demopublican policies over the last uh, several decades that people are going to want real change right now you know you Well got they
0: always want change Wayne right that's why Barack Obama's doing well and i he's talking to, about
1: change I have to spar against you on this one uh, it was uh, the number was like 25% of people who voted in the republican primary here in New Hampshire said they didn't up make up their minds until the day of uh, Twenty five percent. That was that was that was a number that I saw on the internet. Um, you know, so I can't, I'm not gonna, you know, stake my life on it or anything like yeah. that. But to me, that says these people are boobs. They're not thinking. They their their vote means nothing to them. When people think about a vote, they're voting for. Oh, that sounds He's like pretty. a good idea. They're they're not thinking. Oh my God, I'm, uh, you know, bringing force down on somebody else. This person's
2: policies. I'm completely responsible for this guy. It's going to be a long road to educate the public. because It is, which so many is why
0: secession makes more sense, because then you only have to educate the 1.5 million people here in New Hampshire, and you don't even have to get all of them uh, understanding where you're coming from. You just have to get a, a, a little chunk of them, or at least a, a small percentage of them, to, uh, to engage in civil disobedience or work outside of the system in some way. I, I think it's a lot easier to achieve what we're looking at uh, here as as a goal, and that is a voluntary society. If we focus our efforts in in one state, and of course mm-hmm. that's why you've moved here as part of the Free State Project. Yeah. I mean, you you're not saying there's no value in in secession.
2: No, not at all. I I think it 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 should be on the table. However, I still think there are other methods which are um, probably less um, uh, obtrusive, you know, and maybe drastic. in drastic and and. Uh, yeah, I like to harmonize with, with the attack rather than to uh, uh, meet it head on. Well,
1: you know, I'm, I'm open to other suggestions. Way. At this point, I'm just, I, you know, I'm at, at the end of my well, rope. Well, that's what Michael
0: Rosoff is saying here in the Lou Rockwell article, that it's time to start talking about this again. Because secession has been off the table for so long, it's time to put it back on the table and start really looking at it as a serious option. I don't see that as being drastic at all, Wayne. I see the, you know, the original concept here. And again, I don't, I'm talking conceptually, I don't necessarily agree with these concepts, but the original concept was that these states, they voluntarily joined the union for some perceived benefit, not sure what that was, but they voluntarily joined this union, and it has become...
1: It's something entirely different yeah, than what they joined.
0: Yeah, it has, the, the deal has changed, and the federal government doesn't have any intention in you know going back to the original agreement, and it seems to it makes sense for someone to say, okay, well, we're pulling out. Just and it'll, it'll the make contract. the federal government more drastic.
1: responsive to the other uh, states that remain. Oh, yeah. Because they'll say, oh,
0: boy, these states can pull out. Now, there's, now, putting this back on the table is important because it will allow us to start talking about this again, make this a serious issue, make it something that people d- take as an option for the future, and it'll allow us to start addressing some of the inevitable objections that will come up an old friend of mine was uh, chatting with me briefly today and I brought up the secession idea which of course he likes the idea but his immediate was- response was he thought the uh US government would put battleships out in the uh the Portsmouth harbor here in in New Hampshire. I understand why people think that because you know the Civil War was the, the bloodiest Right. Conflict. I think that's going to be the biggest objection we come up against.
1: And, you know, that's the objection uh, to violating, the, you know, to going against what the government says all the time. The mm-hmm. government, the people really, are scared. when it comes down to it, is a big, nasty, violent organization.
0: Which is really, uh, it, it's, it's interesting that people respond in that way, in that they're so frightened. It really is indicative of how scared people are. They're so scared of this federal government that any talk... Any Anybody that's talking about ideas of how to refuse, of how to reject the uh, federal government, of how to not cooperate, of how to secede, is immediately met with, oh, you can't do that. They're going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. And it, really, that's the reason why we need to do this. They're the ones that are taking drastic action. They're hurting people. They're ruining people's lives. They're impoverishing us. It's every one of us. You know, if you don't see the harm happening, that's okay. It's happening. They're printing money day in and day out. That's harming your bank account. That's harming your buying power. That's what's drastic. What's drastic is what they're doing. For us to say, we've had enough, I don't think that's drastic at all.
2: Well, let's walk through this for a minute, because I think Vermont actually uh, has had a a secession movement for a long time. And and there's a lot more wind in the sail of that when a Republican is in office and when it's mostly primarily a Democratic state. But what happens when a Democrat gets in the White House? How is that, uh, How much wind is going to be in that sail for secession in Vermont when they've got their person in the White House? Probably
1: not as much. Um, I'll, I'll definitely give you that. But I like the fact that Vermont is talking about secession because it mm-hmm. makes the fact that I'm willing, that I'm now looking at secession as a possibility, not quite as crazy. There's secession movements
0: all over the United States.
2: Well, what? Uh, how would you get enough popular support in this state uh, to accomplish that? Oh, I don't know. We haven't come up with a plan. Well,
0: that's why we're saying it needs to be on the table. It needs to be something people are talking about. It needs to be an idea that's out there being promoted and promulgated by individuals that are in the media, people like us and Gardner Goldsmith, uh, another radio personality here who appears on this show, but he also has a five-day week show in New Hampshire. So to have people in New Hampshire in in some level of public view talking about this as an idea will spread the concept and make it so people are are discussing this as a potential option. It it really doesn't matter to me if we get the majority of people supporting it because if we get enough of a minority supporting the idea of individual secession, just Forget about the state government. Just saying, I'm pulling out of the federal government. If we have enough individuals doing that, that'll be effective. On the way, here, more. 800-259-9231-1. Your thoughts as well. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. We're talking secession at the moment. Is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The feature's there. We give away, so enjoy those, and they include the updates. Get signed up. We will keep you in the loop whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Head on over to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list. That's updates.freetalklive.com.
1: Sound money is under attack. The Liberty Dollar offices were raided by the FBI and the Secret Service on November the 14th, 2007. All of its precious metals and computers and records were seized. Your mon- your help is urgently needed. Go to libertydollar.org and sign up for their updates. Register for the lawsuit. Don't let the government steal your money and destroy the Liberty Dollar. And the Liberty Dollar now has out uh, new 2008 Liberty Dollars. Go check them out. LibertyDollar.org.
0: 800 259 9231. Join us online again, freetalklive.com. We go to Lou Rockwell to continue the conversation here. Michael Rosoff is saying it's time to put the secession option back on the table. Time to ta- start taking this idea seriously and put the people who are in favor of the federal government on the defensive and have them defend their federal government and tell us why exactly it is we need this thing anyway.
3: We need education funding.
0: The United States of America, says Mr. Rosoff, is a political union. 50 states and a federal district commonly considered to be operating under the authority of the U.S. Constitution that was first adopted in 1787. The Union, known as the USA, was a creation of the then-existing 13 states of the Union. Lysander Spooner has provided ironclad arguments that this Constitution is an invalid authority for Americans of today. If that is so, and I believe it is, then no legal moves need to be taken to dissolve the USA. It's already an entity that has no legal authority. In this case, the union does not legally exist. And Lysander Spooner has some very interesting writings. Uh, he was a man who uh, lived in the, the late 1800s. He ran a private mail service in competition with the Postal Service and was shut down uh, by threats of violence from the federal government.
1: Yeah, God knows uh, you wouldn't, wouldn't want to put competition against the post office.
0: In his, uh, his excellent um, writing, No Treason, he talks about how the Constitution has no authority in that it's not an agreement among men, at least not any any men that are currently living. Um, no one who is alive today ever had a chance to sign it. Uh, and so he makes a very persuasive point. Anyway, that's what he's referencing. Rosoff goes on, he says, to demonstrate that fact and make it operative, however, requires that the Union be effectively uh, shattered and that requires the successful secession of any person or any political entity within the jurisdiction of the USA. This avenue was tried in 1860 by several southern states. The result was the War for Southern Independence, which was won by those states who supported the Union. This victory established the Union as a power and as a central or national state dominant over the individual states, not by legal consent, but by force of arms. The southern states were beaten into submission, and the subsequent legal political authority of the USA, such as it is, rests on its military victory in 1865. Realistically, then, most people in the individual states do not today challenge the authority of the Constitution. They accept the USA as a legal entity. Under that condition, dissolving the USA requires a certain degree of legal maneuvering, although the secession route is still a viable option that can be exercised at any time and with justification. Now, under the Constitution, provisionally assuming its sway, if not legally but in reality, amendment is possible in two ways, according to Article 5. The only way that's been used to date is that both houses of Congress approve an amendment by two-thirds vote, followed by approval by three-fourths of the state legislatures within seven years. Arduous. Pretty difficult to make that happen. The other way, never used, is that two-thirds of the state legislatures agree to a convention at which constitutional amendments can be introduced. These need to pass by three-fourths vote. Both methods show clearly that the Constitution is sustained by the states. If three-fourths of them want to dissolve it, they can. Naturally, such a step involves many other legal uh, ramifications and changes. However, the country has an ample core of Washington, New York, and other lawyers that is up to the task. Dissolving the Union can therefore be done in two basic ways, either by an effective set of secessions or by amending the Constitution so as to gut the Union. There are any number of other less well-defined and more messy ways. In fact, secessions would probably result in a messy process that would, for a time, create uncertainty and indeterminacy as to the final political results. Rozov says, I endorse dissolving the USA. This does not mean that I endorse the 50 states or whatever political combinations of states result as a final ideal political system. I simply view that outcome, which ends the national government, as greatly preferable to what we now have. Individual states could profitably break up, too. But that's another matter. The idea of dissolving the USA and its constitution is not really as radical or extreme as it seems at first sight. The United Kingdom is on its way to dissolving. Majorities in both Scotland and England favor full independence for Scotland. The Soviet Union in 1990-91 dissolved into 15 separate states. Although this entailed some bloodshed, turmoil, and uncertainty over a two-year period, well, of course, of course
1: it does, because there are people in power, uh, in Washington and in you know in Moscow that have that stand something to lose. Those people in power control people with guns and tanks. Mm-hmm. Of course, there was bloodshed.
0: He says that uh, it was, by and large, the Soviet Union breaking up, not at all a terrible happening. There was no major civil war, anything like the war for Southern independence. Yeah, after- it, was, it was very little, a very, right. very small amount. The aftermath of the dissolution of the Soviet Union has certainly been largely benign, as at least some of the individual states that, have, uh, that resulted have moved in the direction of free market policies. We've talked uh, somewhat extensively about Estonia. And how successful they've been in I think they instituted they got rid of the income tax and instituted a flat tax and uh, th- they've had their economy growing uh, as a result of cutting back on their bureaucracy. Uh, Ireland too, even though they're not one of the former Soviet states. But the nice thing about all that now is that there's competition among all the different so- former Soviet states. Exactly. Exactly where where I was going with that point, because they wouldn't have been able to have that independence if they were still under the rule of the Soviet Union. And the central planning and the central control. The progress of Russia itself has been far greater than when it was part of the Soviet Union. The secession or independence movement failed in the case of the Chechen Republic after two wars with Russia. Disillusion of a political unit can lead to serious conflict when states insist on territorial sovereignty and believe that it can be maintained by force of arms. But why should the USA be dissolved? Why should we get rid of our national federal government? Why should Americans have something of a fresh start politically? The reasons for doing this are voluminous. The evidence that it should be done is extraordinarily one-sided. It's covered in detail by hundreds of publications that comprise a freedom literature. What's amazing is that there's so little discussion of the matter of dissolving the USA. We might as well say that for all practical purposes, there's none. The influential figures of our nation do not raise this as an issue. As you were saying earlier, all they're talking about is what what they can give away to people. To buy their votes. No one's talking about the real issues. It's certainly not on the agenda of our dominant political parties or their members. There's no ongoing debate about dissolving the union. If those individuals who favor retaining the national government think it's such a good idea, well, let them debate it. Let them show why the union should be our form of government. Let them show how wonderful the Union has been for us. Let them go toe-to-toe with those of us who think the opposite. Of course, they don't want to debate this matter at such a basic level. To concede that the Union could even have serious and uncorrectable flaws would be to yield too much ground. It would grant the possibility that the Union is a detriment to the American people. So it's the same reason why uh, you know, the, the people that are in the establishment don't want to talk about the war on drugs. They have no, there's no reason why any of them would want to come on our show and, and debate that.
2: Of course, and it's the ultimate income redistribution tool.
0: 800-259-9231, Secession. We're putting it back on the table. This is Free Talk Live.
2: Scientists have discovered a human hormone that increases people's trust in each other, oxytocin. And for the first time, with Liquid Trust, you can harness this power. Buy Liquid Trust now at 800-507-3718 or liquidtrustspray.com. Use code FTL to get
4: free shipping.
0: This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those on us. They include, by the way, the live streams. We've got broadband and dial-up versions of the show, so listen live, freetalklive.com. Your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does that bother you? It bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses too. SavvyRest.com. For the sleep you've been dreaming of, that's SavvyRest.com. Uh, as we are continuing our discussion here of secession, I'd love to have you chime in. Are you scared of the idea? Is it something that it's about time people started talking about again? I think so. And uh, Michael Rosoff at LouRockwell.com agrees. He points out that let's put this back on the table. Let's start talking seriously in public with our friends, with our family members, about the idea of seceding. And that way those who are in favor of the federal government can finally be on the defense. Instead of bickering about which party's going to give who what benefits – or how the money is going to be stolen and then redistributed, you know, in which ways. That Because that's what the, the bickering is about on the national level today. Let's start talking about the real issue. And the issue is, is there any real need for this federal government?
1: You know, and I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea to talk to people uh, out there about secession, um, just, you know, in your daily life. And I imagine the first objection is going to be that, well, they're going to come try to kill us like they did in 1861, 65, mm-hmm. something like that. Um. Well, I think the the answer to that question is,
0: well, do we want a federal government that's willing to come kill us because we voted to secede from it? Back in the days when we had slaves on plantations in America, inevitably there were some slaves that wanted to leave and some slaves that would have said to them, well, you can't do that. They're going to hunt you down and kill you if you do that. You should just stay here on this plantation. At least we have food to eat and a, and a, and a roof over our head. Not very good food, not that's, very good roof, but that's yeah. That's not the kind of life I want to live in this country. I continue with uh, Mr. Rosoff from LewRockwell.com. He points out, so let's put these statists, these people who are in favor of the federal government, let's put them on the defensive. And because if we do that, then, uh, you know, or if they, if, and of course they're not going to, they're not going to want to talk about this. They're not going to want to debate this because it might actually Grant the possibility that the Union could be a detriment to the American people. Even entertaining that possibility in public for them might make too many people stop and think. We don't want that in America. It might make them question the existing system, and such doubts might threaten the power, wealth, privilege, and position of those who benefit from the Union. Rather than debate the union, the supporters of the national government have a better strategy. It goes way beyond stonewalling, which is not even on the horizon. It's to build support for the union incessantly, to hammer out the need for more and more laws passed within the union's ambit, and to pass these laws by constantly appealing to the fears of Americans, rocking the boat even if that boat is sinking, even if we're all we're swallowing, even, even if we are all swallowing seawater is is damned as a course that we must all avoid as a risk to our very lives and well-being. Almost any action of government, however ridiculous, stupid, or counterproductive, is painted as enhancing our security. Even when it's obvious the opposite is the case. As we were talking last night with Brian from Colorado about the asinine rules in regards to carrying toothpaste uh, with you on an, uh, an airline, airline. Uh, the security theme is implicit in the notion of unity. We're always asked to obey the laws, pull together after the votes are taken, end our dissent, be as one, and be as one nation. We're always asked to accept the laws for fear that if we do not, we'll be attacked, or not have medical care, or not have gasoline, or not have income in our old age. Unity and security are our objectives interlarded with the element of fear. Even in the Federalist Papers, written in support of the National Union, the appeals for unity were frequently based on heightening fears of European countries attacking the defenseless states, and of states fighting with one another. That's another one we've heard. Well, then the states will just build walls around each other, and they'll put border guards up, and, well, maybe some of them will, that's their business. Beyond the psychological strategy of arousing fear, which has not changed in over 200 years, the tacit assumption held by almost everyone is that the union is... One assumes- advantage
1: to the Constitution is that states can't issue their own money that isn't backed
0: by gold and silver. <laughs> <laughs> so now the federal government's not... They're the ones that are issuing their own money, Yeah, they, not they, they're, they're
1: issuing the crap
0: money. Uh, so, beyond the psychological. By the way, um, I, yeah.
1: before you go on with this yeah, sure. article, I had a conversation with one of my good friends who is a uh, Jewish banker in New York City. Oh, yes. I met him. Yeah. Did you meet him? Yeah, yeah, we met. Um, anyway, I talked to him the last time I was there about uh, fiat currency and, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he said he's been in the financial industry uh, for what, almost 10 years now. And he hadn't really heard the term or understood the term. Wow. Now he's beginning to see it. And mm. he's Uh-oh. would really like to see. Uh, and, and by the way, this is a guy who's right, you know, right there trading these stocks. Yeah. Didn't really know what fiat currency was. Wow! Because they're in so inside, immeshed in the system, they don't really mm-hmm. get the concept. Right?
0: They don't teach that in government school.
1: He's uh, he's getting. He's like, hey, and you're doing pretty good, Mister Gold. <laughs> you know, because uh, I he knew that I was buying gold and silver. Yeah. And, uh, he's like, what are you doing that for? Well, here's now You why. know, Buster.
2: I've also heard during the Ron Paul campaign that there have been a few times where I think there was a debate going on when the the trading floor was open, and actually when Ron Paul came on, there was a lot of cheering going on in the pits of of the Mm. trading floors which is a good sign that these people recognize the value of real free markets.
0: It's not hard to explain these ideas. It's just that people need to start talking about them again, and they're not getting any discourse on the mm-hmm. national level for the most part.
2: There's also a lot of people that have put a lot of time and effort in developing modeling software to predict what, where the economy is going, where stocks are going, And they're all broken now because of all the intervention by the Plunge Protection Team and Mm -hmm. the Treasury. And nobody can really predict where things are going now because of all the intervention. It's arbitrary. Yeah, it's it's totally arbitrary and totally random.
0: At some point, it has to fall through. Continuing with Rosoff at loronquil.com. Beyond the psychological strategy of arousing fear, which hasn't changed in over 200 years, the tacit assumption held by almost everyone is that the union is some sort of permanent political entity that deserves to be maintained and that has the worth and the value to be maintained. The tacit assumption is that no other political arrangement could serve the American people better. The applause given to national laws is always based on how much good those laws will do. And those two assumptions are both false. The federal government is inept, inefficient, overbearing, power-hungry, dictatorial, and unjust. And it's becoming more so as time passes. The record on war-making alone is enough to show the negative value produced by the Union. Without the Union, the American people would either have avoided nearly every war they fought in, or would have had a greatly reduced role in these wars. Other wars and conflicts may have occurred had there been no Union, but they could not possibly have been at the scale of the wars that Americans have fought under their Union. With many independent states, the incentives for making internecine wars would have been vastly reduced because the costs of fighting would have fallen more directly on the individual states that actually chose to participate. With the Union, a central power existed that could extract resources from, from every individual state's citizens and could force every American and every state into major conflicts that those individual states would never have entered by themselves, and which they could never have paid for by themselves. The Union became the vehicle for making more and bigger wars, simply by forcibly amalgamating the combined resources of all the individual states. Far from avoiding wars by a position of a deterrent combined strength, the Union engaged in more and larger wars using that strength. As matters stand, the existence of the Union made possible at greatly enhanced scale the War of 1812, Mexican-American War, War for Southern Independence, Spanish-American, Philippine-American, World Wars I and II, Cold War, the Korean War, Vietnam, Afghanistan, several Iraq Wars, and countless other interventions and hostile actions in other countries. Only with the Union would we have what we today have, a bloated empire saddled with trouble spots all over the world. These bring us only insecurity even as we're made to believe that American troops and interference overseas will assuage our fears. Only with the Union could we have possibly have major political figures from both parties who promise us that there will that we'll be at war for the next 100 or 1,000 years. There's nothing that the Union accomplishes that is good. If there be anything that cannot equally well or better be accomplished by the 50 states or subsets thereof acting alone or in federations with one another... There's nothing, anything, there's nothing inherently good about this idea. There's nothing great about more centralization. There's nothing more efficient about collecting money from all 50 states, putting it in one central pod, and having bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. make decisions for everybody. If you can think of something, please call in. The lines are open for you. 800-259-9231. More on Secession. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. CAI toll-free live. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. It's 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away. If you like the show, want to help support Free Talk Live, then we invite you to become a Free Talk Live amplifier. Just go to amp.freetalklive.com. Get signed up for as little as 3 bucks a month. And the purpose of the program is... To go above and beyond the call of duty that that a normal listener would do. We give away all the stuff on our website. So you can, you know, leech all of our files and participate on the BBS and the Wiki, and we'll never charge you a dime for that. But if you like what we're doing on this show and you want to help us get on more radio stations around the country, help us spread the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible, well, Throw us 3 bucks a month, and you can do it with any major credit card. You can do it with with PayPal, and there are some alternative ways as well, because some people, they don't like credit cards or PayPal, and so we've got some alternative ways. Go to amp.freetalklive.com to learn more about it. Uh, It's making a big difference for us. It puts advertisements in major talk radio industry publications. It gets us to conventions, to uh, schmooze with the bigwigs. Very important for us to have this going on, and we've got over 400 amplifiers today. We'd love to have 500, and you can be one of the next ones. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. To get perks too, like the amp only call in line, chat room, forum, all the details at amp.freetalklive.com. So, continuing briefly with a little bit more secession talk, and then getting to uh, some phone calls here. And I still want to hear from somebody that has a persuasive case in favor of the federal government. Would love to hear from you if you've got it. Michael Rozoff at com is a retired professor of finance is basically coming out with a pretty persuasive argument saying this needs to be on the table. We need to start talking about this seriously. This uh, needs to be discussed. We need to make this an option. And we need to seriously look at at carrying it out at getting out of this awful federal government. Well,
2: the Lakota people have already taken it taken action.
0: Some of them have. There's some internal conflict over that, apparently, as as I understand the current situation. But Mm -hmm. the more the merrier. Uh, And it doesn't have to be done on a state level. It can be done on an individual level. Just announce your secession from the, the federal government and stop participating with their crap. Anyway, Rozov continues here. He says the union is now a coercive monopoly force at the apex of our political system. It gained the monopoly role by defeating the southern states, and it's continually enhancing its position of dominant power by obtaining political changes, such as the direct election of senators and the broadening of the popular vote. It's not stretching reality too far to say our national government's becoming more and more like the Soviet Union's Central Committee, though that was a party organization, or like the Politburo. A tiny group of men and women run the country, sustain and increase their power, gradually diminish civil liberties and gradually regulate every aspect of the economy, and gradually make every citizen fearful of even speaking out against their actions. What's the logical result of union? Centralization of power and an increase in oppression, and the likelihood of further oppression. If we don't think about dissolving the United States of America now, we'll be thinking about it later when we, as did the citizens of the Soviet Union, begin to chafe and grumble on how bad things are. But why wait for those sad days that are nearing when Medicare and Social Security both fail or when bombs are dropping on American cities or when our roads develop even more potholes or even more bridges collapse or we find that our dollars are worthless? Why wait? Dissolving the USA is becoming more and more an urgent and visible matter. Let us do a favor for ourselves and for our children and grandchildren. Let us place dissolving the USA at the top of our political agenda. And I agree 110%. You know, there,
2: there are those who will say, well, we won't." what about the Constitution? Well, every state has a Constitution. In fact, New Hampshire has a very We've got a good, good one. Yeah, we have a very good Constitution. The
0: right to secession is enshrined in the, in the New Hampshire uh, Constitution. The right to civil disobedience, as I understand it, is also enshrined in the New Hampshire Constitution. That's good stuff. Good stuff. So again you've got an objection to dissolving the federal government I wouldn't Call in. get so
1: excited about the, about the New Hampshire constitution when uh, you're talking about these things it also enshrines the right of every person to own a uh, to, to own arms
0: Ooh, That's that's
1: a good thing right Well I'm a person do mm. I have the right to own an arm in New Hampshire No they're violating their own damn constitution I think Wayne was I would just agree comparing. with you that they um that that you have a you have more effect in New Hampshire than you do in yeah. the United States government and it would be easier to uh, you know, uh, enact something in that oh, yeah. way. But I
0: didn't sign the New Hampshire Constitution either. I think Wayne was just making a comparison between that and uh, you're just pointing out there already are 50 constitutions.
2: That's right and so. people forget about them because we always think about the federal constitution mm-hmm. right. when your own state has a perfectly good
1: constitution. state constitutions are better.
0: Yes. When you start reading them, <laughs> yeah, they they're clearer,
1: better. and um, they're they're more clear, and they're better. Let's Look, go to the
0: phones. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Cody's been waiting patiently. Uh, Cody, in Maine, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind tonight?
5: Hi, guys. I would just like to say that I have a gift for you. I have a real live liberal with me in the room who would like to talk about secession in a little bit. But first, I need a little help with a homework assignment, if you don't mind. Sure, sure. yeah. I am a senior right now, and to graduate... High school year, or college? Uh, in high school. Okay. okay. Um, right now, you have to write a research paper about something to graduate.
3: Hmm. Really? And
5: um, you have to actually get an interview with somebody to graduate. And I was thinking, hmm, let's interview a radio show. Okay, that so, works. The reason for that is because I'm actually doing my research paper on radio when everyone else is doing boring stuff, you know, like abortion and AIDS and all of that,
0: John. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Radio is cool. Okay.
5: It is. And, you know, I am a fan of radio because I actually do a show.
0: Really? Um, a radio and, show or podcast?
5: Okay. It is a libertarian podcast and live stream that no one listens to. Oh, got to start Connor. somewhere. Throw so, it out
1: there and maybe someone will. Cody
5: O'Connor's show. Cody O'Connor's show. Um, so, uh, yeah, what I want to know is. I'm, I'm trying to make the case for Internet radio, basically, and I'm just wondering, um, you guys, you do a Internet radio show and a regular radio show. Which has brought you more success?
0: The Internet show, I would say. Uh, um, I'm not prepared to go there. Uh, no, I, I think that we've it's been... It's the we, basis for our success. It
1: was, I would say that it's the basis we've built... Um,
0: Without the Internet, this show would not be where it is today.
1: That, that, that much is true. They're, they certainly work together. Um, the revenue has come
0: from the uh, radio side. Most that's true. Because advertisers see radio stations as valuable m- more so than they do internet, internet listeners. listeners. Even
1: though I would say that our internet listeners
0: probably respond to ads uh, certainly. Um, I, I think know. that's starting to change. I think the advertisers that you know we're bringing on board are starting to see that their re- re- results are really coming from our internet listeners more so than our radio listeners.
1: Yeah, very slowly, but to get somebody on board to get those new ad dollars, which are so important, you've got to show them how many stations you've got. You have to show them stations, and I. I you know, you don't need a lot to, to run a podcast, though, um, if it's just a hobby and that kind of thing. But did that answer your question?
5: Yes, that helps a lot. Okay. Um, yeah, money is a big issue. And then there's censorship, of course, which, honestly, I would love to swear right now, but I can't. And that stinks.
0: Well, you could, but then you wouldn't be on the air with us anymore.
5: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I have a liberal friend who wants to talk to you.
0: Well, well you should one. bring him in. Uh, I mean, if you had more, do you have more questions for your report? I have one more
5: question. How do I get famous?
0: Well, what do you? How do you define famous? Right. I mean, <laughs> well, like how would guys, we know? I We're not. The,
5: I want to be a big deal one of these days. You I are wanna, a big I deal. I want to get into radio. What do I do? Uh,
1: if you want to get into radio, um, on like stations with I'll transmitters. i this question.
0: Stations with transmitters, that kind of radio.
5: Well, well, let me just ask. I mean, I'm doing a podcast right now. Do you think it's possible to actually get big by just doing a podcast?
1: I don't think it's impossible. I think the podcasts are going to get more and more popular. Um, I, you know, Somebody has to be out there and, and be on the forefront of well. it. And I also think that it's a generation pool... For the things like uh, radio uh, satellite radio,
0: yeah a talent pool
1: yeah they 're going to draw from that area, but, so I but, think there 's a lot of value in
0: doing your own podcast caveat to that though mark uh, it 's good and valuable to do your own podcast in that you 're getting practice i mean if you 're a senior in high school, I wish I was doing talk at that time i didn 't start my talk career until I was twenty two so you 've got a real uh, quite a, a a head start on most people, and that 's great, and so you can develop your skills off uh, off the air on a podcast but you can't expect to just be discovered because there's so many different podcasts out there so what you should do is once you've refined your product and you're ready to try to get on the radio is you should shop it around to uh, local radio stations that's usually a good place to start uh, as as a possible you know potential weekend show or producer role or heck even start as an intern that's probably the best way to do it since you're so young you you know, coming in and, and giving a radio station program director your demo uh, isn't going to really knock his socks off, most likely. This really is a kick-butt show. Uh, so starting as an intern for the station is a, a better way because then you can get to know the staff on a personal level and a business level. You can uh, develop rapport with them. And then they'll, there will inevitably be an opening that comes up, or you can just sort of drop hints, like, you know, I'd really love to get on the air, or I'd love an on-air internship, because usually when you start interning, they have you packing the van and hanging banners and things like that.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, don't be – we basically uh, started the show on a Sunday night um, in Sarasota, Florida, and – we didn't really get paid for it. You know, it's just an opportunity to be on the air. We did start getting small, small amounts as far as compensation, but I wouldn't make pay a big issue.
0: Cody, if you had more questions, hang on. I know you had your liberal friend who wanted to get into us with, uh, I guess, about secession. So we'll bring him and you back in hour number two, 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching an hour number two of the program. You can take control of the airways toll-free. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website. FreeTalkLive.com is the place to go. The features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's FreeTalkLive.com. As uh, we continue with your phone calls, Uh, go back to Cody in Maine. Who is uh, who is asking us a series of questions? I guess to help him out with a little uh, report that he's doing, a research paper uh, project for his uh, senior year in high school there in Maine. Uh, apparently, it's a requirement that you do a research paper, and you're doing yours on radio. Uh, and yes. you've got a personal stock in this story, uh, Cody, or this paper, because you're someone who aspires uh, to to be in radio. You have your own podcast and uh, you're asking us questions about uh, the business and how to get involved. And, Wayne, Cody mentioned something that you didn't really have a chance to jump on last hour, and now you've got more time, so I'd like you to bring that up, and let's let's find out what he had in mind when he mentioned being famous. Because, Cody, you said you wanted to be famous, right?
5: It's one of my dreams, uh, that and to have really nice sideburns.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, the sideburns are pretty attainable. I wanted to address that. Because- Not for me. Yeah, I, I've had oh. my 15 minutes of fame, and I've been, you know, out in Hollywood, I've known a lot of famous people, and I remember Mel Gibson once said that being famous is like r- walking around with a skunk on your head, <laughs> and, and there's there's a real, there's a, I think that when you're going into something like this, the worst reason of all for doing it is that you want to be famous. The, The reason, if you really want to do radio, do it because you love it, do it because you want to innovate. And then every little nuance you will develop, you will become the best you can be when you don't worry about all the attention and all the fame and all the things that go, all the garbage that goes with that. So and I think that's what Ian's clearly done here. Ian just did it because he loved it and he was into it and it was what he wanted to do his whole life and I don't think he really worried about that. Did you Ian?
0: No, I I didn't want to be famous and, and that's one of the reasons why I never used my last name on the air cuz I don't want really don't really want people to know who I am. I want to be someone who's a voice on the radio that uh they can listen to and be entertained by, but uh I I really, you know, it's one of the reasons why the, uh, my current picture isn't on the website instead it's pictures of us at age seven or six. Oh, right. I think it's like four, isn't it? Yeah, it was Whatever. It's kid there. picks. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I don't, I don't really care for the idea of being recognized and, and all of that. What is it about about being famous, Cody, that you find attractive?
5: Well, you know, it's not all about being famous. Mostly uh, that was a lie. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I, to be honest with you, radio for me is a passion. I love nothing more uh, than talking to myself through a microphone Uh, for hours on end, it's what I want to be when I grow up. And, you know, I've told people around me that money is not the issue. It's doing what I love. I would much rather do something I love and you know, being an accountant or something. Okay, good. I That's can. good that
0: you have that mindset because it's something that you need to understand right at the beginning of uh, any career in in radio. Is that or any career the, anywhere? Well, the money's not yeah. there up front. I mean, you could get a job as an accountant and immediately make more than you would. Uh, you probably make more as a trash collector. Uh, than you would in radio and in radio they say my mentor told me this and i believe it's true Uh, they say that you don't really start making any decent money until 10 to 15 years into the uh, into your career so uh, it's a hard road to hoe
5: my liberal friend is actually looking for a job is there any trash collector jobs open (laughs) (laughs) that's
0: funny cody Uh, do you have any other questions for your for your report
5: um no that basically wraps it up. Go to um, get your
1: uh, podcast on dig.com. Um it it's it's a good networking site and um you know people can vote for you
0: there. Very good man. Good luck with your uh, your career and you uh, want to, and talk con- to my liberal friend. Yeah, nice. we do. We do cuz he you said he wanted to talk to us. I mean, presumably. Yeah, yes.
6: Uh, what is friend? Mike, what is
0: your name, sir? My name
6: is Mike. Yeah, Mike. my name is Mike and uh now, Cody made me talk to you guys. but uh,
0: <laughs> Well, we were talking about secession earlier. Did you want to address that? or Yeah, yeah.
6: You... Um, I wanted to address secession because um, I believe one of the reasons the union was created was uh, uh, to provide for the common defense. Um, I was wondering if it would probably be more realistic to maybe downsize the federal government rather no, than... No,
0: it's not really realistic. Now, you're a that. liberal,
6: right? Uh, Cody calls me a liberal, but well,
0: because I was gonna say, usually well, liberals aren't Ian necessi- calls me a fascist too. Yeah, but usually <laughs> yeah. liberals are. I just normally liberals are kind of opposed to the idea of having a big national defense, this huge military going around the world uh, invading oh, yeah. other countries.
6: Oh yeah, I'm I'm opposed to like um you know barging in on other countries' businesses I and such like that. But as for providing for the common defense, mm. I'm not opposed to that.
2: Well, is that what they're really doing right now? It seems like they're providing for the common offense.
6: That's why I ask, would it be more feasible to uh, change the federal government, downsize it, and Somehow well, try to reform it rather than Mike, abolish it I, or I, I'm from it. I, I'm with you.
1: I'm sort of that kind of you know reform the federal government kind of guy too. I'm I'm hmm. at the end of my rope as far as it goes. But I know can it, you tell I know me the, the, the um, can you can you tell me the last time that the uh, the United States you know the, the 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 states of the union were attacked in a war?
6: The I mean, if you think of one, you can only think of Pearl Harbor, and even that was
1: not a state. It was questionable. Yeah.
6: Yeah. At the time, it wasn't a state. Right. In fact, not, like the only thing... Mexican-American
1: American War. It's yeah. been more than 150... It's about 150 years or so since we were attacked. I mean... It, 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 providing for the common defense because of the geography of this wonderful country that we live in, which it's just very unlikely that that our uh, the big red uh, enemy to the north, Canada, is going to roll across the forty seventh parallel and take us over. Yeah, um, I think that we're probably better off with uh, the, the 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 you know the, the militia plan that we had in this country for the first fifty years or so, um, where each state would have a you know a militia of. Yeah, you can call it an man. army
0: if you want. Yeah. I mean, if it was all the individual states, they could call it their military if they wanted to. I mean, do you think that there's anything inherently better about having bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. make decisions as to how to spend uh, military dollars?
6: Oh, no, no. I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not for any bureaucrats redistributing uh, stolen money. I guess so you, would it be possible,
0: it Mike, for um for people to defend themselves without the federal government?
6: Uh, That's just the thing. Um, People can defend themselves without the federal government, but at the same time, I believe it would provide a greater defense. Why? Because then everyone's kind of abided to this union to defend each other.
0: What does that mean exactly, abided to the union?
6: Like, what I'm trying to say here is where all the states are part of a union, if one state is attacked, say, I don't know, by the giant enemy, Canada... Mm -hmm. Say Maine, for instance, New Hampshire would basically be right behind us. I mean, you could – I suppose if there was no union, there would be, like, smaller groups of states providing their own common defense. Now,
1: Mike, um, do you remember what happened in Hurricane Katrina a couple of years ago when uh, a huge disaster occurred in New Orleans?
6: Yeah, everyone else. Everyone people else.
1: from all over the union hopped in their cars, filled their trucks up with p- bottles of water, all kinds of um, you know supplies, and they drove to the point of the disaster. Do you think that Americans, um, you know, that the people that uh, you know of this continent would allow Maine to be attacked by Canada and not rush
0: to their aid? I don't know. I don't think I would rush to the aid of California. <laughs> they're, they're a long, long ways
1: Who
6: off. Would, though? Who but would?
1: What if? What if? Uh, you know, everybody from east of the Mississippi, you know, a, a good portion of people east of the Mississippi, rush to the aid of uh, Maine. I think they would.
6: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's always hope. Right, and the you fact, know, that, the fact that you, you uh,
0: basically agreed with me there with my California comment uh, goes to point out how asinine it is that uh, everyone in Florida would somehow be expected to come to the aid of people that are literally half a world away uh, living in California. But yeah, there's... I mean,
6: I, mean I, guess my, I guess my final question is, like, do you think providing for the common defense, really, I mean, especially in this time, would you just say it was just outdated?
1: It it, it doesn't seem to uh, be very important,
0: considering the last time we were attacked.
6: Exactly. I mean.
0: Well, now, not 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 to say that attack isn't a uh, you know an an attack isn't a possibility, but I think when you really take a look at the motivations of government, whether we're talking about state or local or federal, but we're we're specifically talking about the federal government. When you when you look at their motivations, they're they're interested in protecting themselves. First and foremost. If they want to put a, uh, you know, they allegedly claim to be here to serve and protect you, but the fact is, if they decide they want to build a road through where your property is sitting, they're going to take your house and destroy your livelihood as a result of that, Uh, presuming you wanted to stay in that house. They're going to take it and they're going to build that road right through. Same thing if they're defending the country from an attack, they're going to defend their military bases, they're going to defend the White House, they're going to defend Congress, but they don't care about you and your family. They're not going to come to your aid, just like they did help anybody in any decent way down in New Orleans after Katrina. It was the private people that wanted to help, and the federal government told them no. And that's what the federal government does. It just gets in the way. Thanks for the call, dude. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231, sickle CAI toll-free line. Uh, Once again, that's 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The feature's that are there you will find are for free and those include the bulletin board system with over 300,000 posts serious issues to fun stuff you'll find it all being discussed for free at freetalklive.com and you can get to the bbs uh, directly by going to bbs.freetalklive.com
1: lose up to 25 pounds in just 9 days without permanently changing your diet check out this amazing doctor recommended product go to ftldiscount.com read some real testimonials find out how to order ftldiscount.com
0: 800 259 9231. We continue with your phone calls. We'll talk to Brian in Colorado on the amp line. Hey, Brian.
4: Hi, my name is Brian, and I'm calling Republicans in my neighborhood to ask their opinions about the 2008 presidential election. <laughs> Am I talking with Mark? Yes? I have a question for you, Mark. Just a single question. Sorry to bother you during dinner.
1: Um, I, yeah, I actually pres- don't eat dinner. <laughs>
4: oh, well, you're thrown off my script, man. Go ahead. If the Republican presidential election were held today, who would you likely vote for?
1: Well, what are my choices? <laughs> yeah, I can't really. Evening. Britney Spears? <laughs> I'd vote for Ron Paul.
4: Brittany McRomney. <laughs> so uh, I, I got this call today, uh, and uh, I, I answered right away, Ron Paul, uh, you know, thinking I didn't know what, who this woman was calling me. Mm-hmm. And she said, "Oh, that's great! I'm so excited. Uh, would you like to be a delegate? You know, for for Ron Paul?" I said, "Well, I, you know, I sure, I, mm-hmm. yeah, but you know, I, what, what does it take? I mean, you know, I, I travel a lot. I'm not going to be around. So, uh, she talked me into it, and uh, I don't even have to be there to be nominated. But uh, I'll be a delegate. We have caucuses here in Colorado. I don't know any of this stuff.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, because, well, uh, what does it mean to be a delegate anyway?" Well,
4: there's a thing on February 5th, I think, uh, which is a Tuesday, uh, okay. and I, I'm supposed to be there and be nominated. Now, if someone else can nominate me; they'll find somebody to nominate me. And uh, and then uh, she said that the the Ron Paulians who are there will will, will make sure that I get uh, I get elected. And then at the um, Douglas County, our county, uh, where we all get together on caucus night, uh, I get to cast my vote for Ron Paul.
2: Sounds good. So, so it's, it's not not really
4: a county a general. Thing. Yeah, a county by county, I guess. Right.
0: Got it.
2: Just
4: goes because to
0: show you it's as not as over yet.
3: Yeah.
4: Right. Exactly.
0: Well, cool. So, so, I, I guess that's exciting news then, Brian. Congratulations.
4: <laughs> well, I, so I got a list now. My job, I've got to find oh eight to twenty people in my precinct who would uh, who would vote for me to vote for Paul in February. So I got this <laughs> big old list, and I've been calling people all night. And uh, it, it's not very promising,
0: frankly. Now, wait a minute. Why do they have to vote? I'm confused. Why do you have to call these people?
4: Uh, I, I will call – they will vote for me. Uh, I, I need to find Ron Paul supporters who will come out to this – I think it's a school or something uh, uh, on February of oh, – I'm not sure when it is. The 19th or something? Okay. And – well, no, it is February 5th. They, they come out to the school, and they vote for me to represent them. And cast my vote.
0: Now, these have to be registered Republicans, like party yeah. members.
4: Yes, they have to be registered mm-hmm. Republicans. You have to have uh, registered a month ago.
1: Have you checked uh, with your meetup group locally?
4: Uh, I haven't done that yet. I just got this list this afternoon. And I've been I've been calling people, giving them that script every every uh, you know every one of them.
0: So you're asking them who they support, and if they support Ron Paul, then you're asking them to vote for you at this little uh, what do they call it? It's
4: uh, I don't know what they call it. It's a it's a thing on uh, February fifth. Uh, a
0: delegation or something. That's that's when they'll vote but, uh, for you as the delegate. Precinct caucus. So if they vote for you as this delegate, then you move on and you can vote for Ron Paul in the bigger delegate thing. I wish yeah. I knew more of these
4: terms. Yeah. So so the the, the caucus is actually February fifth. Is that Super Tuesday?
0: I think so. Yeah. Yeah,
4: that, that's when the caucus is. That's when. Uh, They will look around and decide, you know, how many percentage, just like in Iowa, how many percentage each candidate got. Mm -hmm. And then uh, uh, I then become the one to go to the the, uh, convention, Mm -hmm. the Republican convention, and say, you know, I'm the one who votes, you know, my precinct.
0: So you'd have to go to the Republican National Convention or the state convention?
4: No, the Colorado State Convention.
0: Got it. But that's only if you can find enough people to vote for you as the delegate.
4: Uh, Well, we need like 20 delegates. Uh, So certainly there will be at least one uh, uh, that, uh, you know, uh, you know, if he gets five percent of the vote, that will be at least one person. Uh, And the rest will be split among the other candidates or, you know, we might get five or 20. Who knows?
0: So you get an amount of delegates based on the percentage that Ron Paul gets in the caucus. Um, This is so confusing. (laughs) Are you you guys following this?
1: I, I think I've tuned out. <laughs> I really
3: I'm trying, don't understand man. It. I'm
4: I know. Trying. I don't really hey, understand. Hey, I, I'm not the expert. I got this thing today. I said, yeah, I'll do what I can. So I've just been calling people. So, so the, the trick is, uh, you call with this you know, innocuous question, who would you vote for today? Which Republican? And if they say Romney, you say, okay, thanks. I'll write you up. You mm-hmm. know, don't, don't come out to the caucus, in other words. yeah, I, I don't want to encourage them to vote. Uh, but if they say undecided, i got a little script here that says, you know, did you know that Ron Paul is a 10-term congressman, a medical doctor who's pro-choice and pro-family, yada, yada?
5: Makes and sense. And
4: you kind of ask them what, what their hot issues are. You know, is it the war? Is it abortion? Is it, you know, all this other stuff. So and what you have you been hearing? Paul... Uh, <laughs> uh, my neighbors are a bunch of warriors.
2: Oh, jeez.
3: Yeah,
4: they they like security. <sighs> um, you know, they hate brown people. Um <laughs>
0: you know, eventually I'm going to call my parents and I'm going to ask them who they're voting for and why, and I'm so... I don't even know what I'm going to hear. I don't... I imagine it's going to be the same crap you've been hearing.
4: Yeah, I'm getting about about half are undecided, mm-hmm. and the rest are uh, McCain and, and Romney. Um, someone said Huckabee.
0: But the undecided people, are they in favor of the security state as well?
4: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I don't know who, who the other ones are, because as soon as they say, you know, definitively Somebody else, they say, okay, I'll put you down for McCain. Mm -hmm. But if they say, uh, I'm not quite sure, you know, I don't know what's going on there. I say, well, you know, what what are your hot issues? Is it abortion, whatever? And then I I, I hit them with whatever their hot issue is. Yeah. But they they all want to, um, you know, finish the job in Iraq.
0: It's madness. Madness has infected these people.
2: (laughs) Well, media propaganda has infected them. They've had that drilled in their head over and over and over hmm. by all the major news networks, and there's still a lot of people who get their news from uh, newspapers and television.
4: Well, yeah, I, a couple of people said, uh, "Yeah, so who, who are you voting for?" Well, I don't know. Uh, I want to find out who has be, the best chance to win.
0: Oh, gee, really? Words, I,
4: I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna look at the other sheep and then go that way. <sighs>
0: yeah, that, that
4: was that was pretty. That was even worse. How do you respond to that? I'm gonna vote What would you well, say to
0: those people? Um, okay. Well, I, don't you stay I'll, home.
4: No, I, I, I always mention Ron Paul to people who haven't made up their mind yet. Yeah. And I say, you know, have, have you talked about Ron Paul? You know, he's, uh, he's a true conservative. And most of my neighbors are, you know, Goldwater or, uh, or Reagan conservatives, which means pretty much like Ron Paul is, non-interventionists, uh, you know, sound money, all that stuff. And so I hit him with that. But, um, yeah, it's just so hard to get over the, uh, get over the momentum that these other idiots have.
0: Wow. Well, Brian, good luck in your uh, continued quest there in Colorado. I I don't know if the responses would be any necessarily that much better here in New Hampshire. I'm sure the populace here is as ignorant uh, of of the the true state of affairs in in Washington. So there's a lot of work to be done, no doubt about it. Hillary 2008. A lot of indoctrination to be overcome and eliminated, and it's no easy task that we have ahead of us. But uh, thanks for being active out there, Brian, and thanks for the call tonight. 800-259-9231, on the way. Speaking of the security state, government's terror definitions. Wayne, you've got some interesting details here. Uh, And we'll take your calls as well. Evan and Greg on the line. Your calls if you make them. 800-259-9231, it's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free, number 800-259-9231. The Sakel's CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website. FreeTalkLive.com is the place to go. The features we give away, including archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, just go and get them right there on the front page of the website. Free for your downloading. Convenience at FreeTalkLive.com. The Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, It's happening June 9th through the 15th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to listen to concerts, enjoy some barbecue, and socialize around the fire with other liberty lovers. Discover new freedoms, new communities, and new beginnings. Learn more at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. 800-259-9231. Go into your phone calls. We talk to Evan in Michigan. Evan, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hello. Hey, Evan, what's on your mind tonight?
7: Um sorry I'm just really nervous um, that's all right
0: that's what happens I still get I believe it or not I uh, I call in talk shows all, uh, all the time well, not all the time but I call the talk show this morning and I and I still have to breathe really deeply to uh, try <laughs> to keep my voice from warbling and sounding really awful so I I still get that feeling go ahead sir
7: yeah um, <clears throat> well it's really uh, your show and just the whole liberty movement that really got me uh gave, gave me enough courage to call in because I feel so strong about it thanks to your show and Ron Paul and everything like that and I just want to thank you guys for really introducing me to it because it makes so much sense and I don't really see why anybody would want to be otherwise you know
0: yeah, well, the the reason why they want to be otherwise is because they don't know about liberty, as you uh, understand now, uh, that they've been indoctrinated. They've been told that uh, that government is necessary to keep everything orderly and, and wonderful. And, you know, they've just been lied to, uh, just like so many people have been lied to over history. Uh, in fact, governments have been with us for all of mankind, pretty much. So, you know, the idea that we're now coming even close to, to throwing off these controlling uh Sickos is is a wonderful concept.
7: Mm, definitely, um, I just and on that point, like I'm I'm actually a college student and my roommate. I was talking to him about how I think the war on drugs needs to end, and he he was like, "What are you talking about? I'd be totally wrong. What about all those drug dealers? All that stuff? That's gonna be crazy, <laughs> you know?" And I was like, "That's why to... they
2: exist because it's illegal, right? There wouldn't be any drug dealers."
7: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was just like, it didn't make it didn't compute with them for some reason that. Why would somebody want to end the drug war, you know, when the cops do so much good, and, or supposedly, you know?
2: So. What kind of a college
0: student is this roommate?
2: <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's majoring <laughs> in law enforcement.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, most college <laughs> kids, I think, I, I wouldn't you say most kids in college have smoked marijuana at least once?
7: Well, yeah, I, would, I haven't, but I know this kid has been, he was kind of like me. I was very sheltered most of my life, and mm. so I didn't really know better. Good until answer. Really my uh really until this year really I just I was looking on iTunes and I just happened to see a show and I love like kinda like political like talk shows kinda and I just happened to listen to it and then just like the first issue I liked when I heard was like uh at least the high issue for me was uh healthcare. I ended really? up I thought that was um a good thing. And up until that point Well healthcare is show, a good
0: thing. I mean, taking I mean, care like, of yourself uh, is a good idea. You mean the free healthcare idea? You thought yeah, that was
3: free my, <laughs> yeah, free healthcare. Yeah, except
0: it's because it's not really free, and people that actually believe it's free really are showing how indoctrinated they've become. And, and the people who believe it's free are also
2: creating excess demand for the product, which creates shortages.
0: Right. I um,
7: but my really what I called in it was like, what is the like the libertarian viewpoint on like global warming and stuff like that? I mean, it's a great question. You care about yeah, it, it or?
0: Yeah, oh, of course. I mean, I, I, libertarians. We don't wanna, believe it. Is. No, just kidding. I want to drink polluted water. Yeah, libertarians want to want to drink uh, clean water and they want to breathe clean air. It's just that we understand that government, this same organization that is uh, just botches everything it comes in contact with, is the last or uh, entity that we want keeping water clean and trying to protect our environment, in that uh, we think that it's private property and people in the marketplace that will do a far better job than government will.
2: Yeah, and ever, ever since the government took over, over control of the waterways, the waterways have gotten more polluted because they've let the big corporate interests pollute at the expense of everybody else. Uh, let's just say that your property or your house was bordering a river. If you owned um, you know, your property line across halfway across the river and someone upstream from you polluted it and it, it came on the shores of your property... It was your property. You, ha- you have legal recourse. You can sue their pants off. But when the government controls it, you can't do anything about
0: it. Right, and it's good that you brought up the the, the big companies. It's funny listening to environmentalists Call for more regulation We need more government rules and more controls And the fact is the big corporations The established companies love That stuff because right. they've got their gaggle Of lawyers that they'll send out uh, To you know, to deal with the legislators On this and their lobbyists and basically What'll end up happening is they'll create this new Legislation that's supposedly designed to Protect the environment and what it'll really Do is it'll uh, protect the Existing corporations from new Competition yeah. by raising the the, uh, the level of it, you know, the amount of cost it takes to start up in that particular business. And at the same time, they're typically grandfathering in the old companies. So even if these new regulations were really going to clean something up, the companies that are already out there will get a pass. They'll, uh, you know, they'll be allowed to. Well, you've already got your facilities. We can only apply this. We can't ret- apply this retroactively because that's the way the law works. Uh, and so they'll only apply to new companies entering the field, which means that no, very few new companies will bother because it's become too regul uh, reg- too highly regulated for them to to get into it. Uh, that's one of the reasons. And then there's the the leasing of property by governments that just results in uh, land being clear cut, strip mined, uh, and generally completely disrespected. That's because It's government leasing land, not land that's actually being privately owned. That's right. If you
2: owned it, you wouldn't want that to happen to your property. So you'd want to go – if you were going to have your property logged, you'd want to have it selectively logged rather than clear-cut because you wouldn't want to depreciate the value of your property. But when you don't own it and you can just go in and – because you have a political favor or you know somebody in government, you can go in and clear-cut it. You don't care what happens to land because it's not yours. Does that make sense?
7: Yeah, it does. I. Thanks a lot. I just uh, was wondering about that because I've I've heard, like, different viewpoints on it. I didn't know what really to believe, you know.
0: I have a suggestion for you for further research. If you're interested, do you you like to read? Yes. Okay, good. Uh, Go to to Ruart.com, R-U-W-A-R-T, Ruart.com. It's Dr. Mm -hmm. Mary Ruart. She wrote one of the best books on liberty. It's called Healing Our World. And I know you're a college student, probably a poor college student. So I've got good news for you. The book's available in, in its entirety for free on her website. It's the 1990s version, but it's still packed full of good information, yeah. uh, and it, and it's a brilliant book that really addresses the concerns from a uh, you know concerns about the environment and about uh, what about the poor people and many of these concerns that liberals tend to have. And of course, you're going to run into a ton of liberals in your college uh, your college right. career. So <laughs> it'll it'll really give you the ammunition that you need to come up with some persuasive points to make to people that that just i mean really liberals for the most part not the ones that are in power but the run you know the rank and file liberals really they're some of the easiest people to convert to liberty because they 're not all about law and order, like the conservatives are. The liberals just want to help people. They see people that have been you know victimized they 're having a tough time in life and, and they just want to help them. So what they don 't understand is that the government usually ends up harming the people it 's supposed to be helping and that 's what Mary Ruart talks about so brilliantly in her in her book Healing Our World, So I highly recommend that. It was one of the formative books for me in in understanding liberty and really coming to grasp how uh, when you try to control someone else that you yourself will only end up being controlled. And she talks about these things to a great extent, and it's really easy to read, so I highly recommend it. And thanks for the call tonight, dude. I'm glad you found the show. 800-259-9231. In fact, Wayne, just as an aside, did you know that uh, Dr. Mary Ruard actually studied as a, uh, you know, she was under the tutelage of Morris and Linda Tannehill, the authors of The Market for Liberty? It doesn't surprise me, because there's a lot of those ideas in the book.
2: Yep. And I might add that the new post-9-11 version uh, that's in print now is excellent. I have oh, it. I have it, and, and it's it's even better. But the online version is is enough to get you hooked. So you'll want
0: you want to buy the. The uh, hard copy. Oh, totally. What did she put in? Another thirty pages or something like that? It,
2: I don't know the exact. It was exact, a significant expansion. I heard it was, and she updated a few things too. Right, she but,
0: updated the studies and the the information.
2: And I love the, the quotes. Detail. Some of the the pertinent quotes along the sidebar on the pages in that book. The way the book is put together is brilliant.
0: 800-259-9231. That would actually make it kind of hard to turn that into an audio book because of all the quotes on the in the sidebar. Those are so valuable and so relevant to the passages that you're reading at that time. Uh, I mean, I want to turn that one into an audiobook, but it's almost perfect as it is. So, more on the way, you can take control. 800-259-9231. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, it's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Features for free. If you like the show want to help support Free Talk Live, go shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live, we'll get a percentage of your purchase, 41 categories to shop in, So many products. So many great deals. You know Amazon. They're huge. So you should buy some stuff there. Head over to Amazon.freetalklive.com and we'll get a cut. That's Amazon.freetalklive.com as we head over to the phone lines to talk to Greg in Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live. Greg.
8: Hi. How are you? I'm a podcast listener for the last couple of months.
0: Excellent, sir. What's on your mind tonight?
8: uh, Well, let's see. I I was listening yesterday's and I heard the uh, vaccination talk and I thought I'd call in with something that I think is the ultimate answer on the vaccine issue. Okay. Okay, I got into it when my wife and I were pregnant with our first issue, and there was a lot of compelling yet still sort of circumstantial evidence. Um, you know, you could see Jonas Salk's argument to Congress not to make it mandatory and universal for his polio vaccine. Mm-hmm. If you get a hold of the old um, 20th century infant mortality rates, you'll find things like pertussis dropped to near zero before the vaccine was available. That's right. But, but the ultimate kicker, back in 2003-2004 time frame, UPI had put out a really good research um, investigative article on this, and they found that the CDC, the board that determines what vaccines are going to go into the schedule, are legally allowed to take money from the vaccine manufacturers.
3: <laughs> yep.
8: All they have to do is announce it, disclose it, and you'll find that half the board either co own the patent for the vaccine or something else,
3: or wow. you know, getting paid
8: directly or given grants. And so the appearance of evil is there.
3: Follow yeah. the that money.
8: Alone, that alone right there should let you know there is an incentive and don't trust it.
0: Brilliant. Well said, sir. So uh, I, I wish
8: I could find the individual uh yeah you know, the items. Like you could the hard proof, but I'm sure you could find it. UPI. They did a couple of good ones, including the autism MMR link and others. Mm-hmm. And uh thank you for letting me on your show.
0: Hey dude, thank you for wow. the call.
2: Thanks for that. I was gonna say that there's a good example of uh of uh political entrepreneurship. But you know, I, one of my best friends, who I grew up with, has, has a daughter who became autistic after receiving the M- MMR vaccination. Hmm. And just a week or two before, how old was she? She was probably oh, you know, I don't. Re- it's been a long time. I would say probably three. Okay. Some, somewhere in, in that. But I remember about a week or two before she had the vaccination. I was there at their house. I was interacting with her. I was I was holding her hand, and she was jumping on the trampoline. And you know, she was a perfectly normal child. And and then uh, my friend and his wife told me that after she had this vaccination, she broke out in a fever and she had all of these classical symptoms. And and then she was uh, non-responsive and, and started displaying the, 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 the um, classic signs of autism. Hmm. And there's over 30 vaccinations now that are mandated that you're supposed to have before a child can go in school. Seriously? So did yeah. they try to sue the... Um the, the manufacturer well they they've, they're with a group like a class action group but it, it's not really getting anywhere because there's always all these compelling studies that are funded by you know who that say no it doesn't it doesn't happen but what they've th- found is there's a substance called thermosol, which is essentially mercury mm-hmm. now when you only had 12 vaccinations maybe you know it, it wasn't toxic enough to your body to actually affect you neurologically. But then when you make that number 30, it becomes uh, more um, toxic and, and, you know, you've got more toxic stress to the body. That's how some people are explaining this. Uh, Mercury is not good. I mean, if you drop a mercury, mercury thermometer in your house, you got to call the men in the white suits to clean it up. I mean, that's how toxic it is.
1: A caller told us last night that it's a different sort of mercury, like ethyl mercury versus methyl mercury and and that kind of thing. So I don't know. And, And in the same way that, uh, uh, um, chloride gas is deadly whereas uh what what sodium chloride sodium chloride salt is not
2: yeah well you know i had an argument with with my daughter's pediatrician when she was very young about the the hepatitis b vaccination and i said you know i I don't want her to have it and he argued with me i said no and and not two weeks later they, they they came out and said don't give it to children um you know under six months old and then i went back the next time i said see See, two weeks ago, you told me this was safe. Wow. Yeah. And What you did know, he say to that? What do these he had guys nothing know? to say.
1: They just go to school and learn what they're told. That's right. They're just memorized the same way anyone else does. If, if They don't know whether this stuff is true or not. They're not scientists in labs. They're not mm-hmm. reading these studies. They're trying to treat kids and keep them healthy, which I can right. totally respect. They just may or may not be wrong. And your kid's health, res- uh, the responsibility resides with you. That's,
2: That's true. Right. That's right. And you know something? A lot of these vaccinations they want to inject kids with are like chicken pox. That's not very deadly. In fact, it's better if you get chickenpox, pox than you're immune for life. I had it when I was a kid. You know, I had yep. a lot of these things. Because My understanding
1: they, is about 100 to 150 people die worldwide from chicken pox. That's ever.
0: nothing. Right. More people die from diarrhea. So you have like a lot of people do.
2: Yeah, basically you have these industries who are using the guns of government to force people to use their product. That's what it comes down to. Let the market decide. And the market's saying... Despite all the government assurances it's safe, they're saying, we don't want these vaccinations. And more and more people are saying no to them because of that, because the market knows.
0: Good. Well, that's what people should do, is when the government's making these absurd demands, they just need to say no. They need to find the courage to refuse to participate.
2: I've also listened to a lot of dissenting doctors. And doctors who dissent against the medical establishment are taking a big chance. A lot of them end up getting their licenses pulled and everything. But they'll tell you... Like a lawyer well,
0: that... If, yeah. If a lawyer steps out of line, he loses his license. Yeah, that's too.
2: right. And they're tell- when you find out all the crud that's in these vaccinations, besides the mercury, I mean, there's aluminum, there's all sorts of stuff. There's other dead viruses in there. I mean... Mm. It's just a big mess and 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 sometimes they make them up from pus from animals i mean it's yeah. it's crazy if you actually study how they make these things and what 's in them, you will not want to ever ever put them in your body.
0: You know what Greg was saying about the following the money and looking at the people that are on this uh, this board that approves these these vaccines. And finding out that they're actually stockholders or people with a, a significant share of the actual companies manufacturing them—that Sure. That parallels what we've uh, what we've heard about the FDA as yes, well. The I was board, just going to say that. Yeah, right. The decision makers on the FDA, in many cases, are working with the pharmaceutical companies that are being regulated by the FDA. So, yeah. uh, th- this is so typical in government, and it's not just in the medical industry. It's in the lo- your local plumber's regulatory board, in your local res- restaurant board. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's all the Good old boy network, man, and you, it's we're all paying the price for it. You
2: know, before the American Medical Association was formed, uh, homeopathic physicians outnumbered allopathic physicians by about three to one in this country in the 1800s, early 1900s. And when the AMA was formed, they slowly got, um, you know, people to, to adopt allopathic medicine as what cut, burden poison, which we have today.
0: Well, I, mean, uh, I thought homeopathic medicine was that crap where they give you a, like a one, one, ten thousandth of a dose of something, and mm-hmm. it's just. Ludicrous. Well, it actually, it does is?
2: work. It's based on sound science, and and I've used it, and it does work.
1: Well, I've I've uh, seen a video. Who I've seen about
0: Dr. James Randi. Dr. Uh, James Randi pretty effectively it, refuting that. It
1: seemed like it to me.
2: Yeah. Well, they said the same thing about acupuncture. It's been around thousands of years, and it works. And people could say, well, that's all voodoo stuff. But it does work, and it's now been approved by the FDA as a medical instrument. And I've had it on me when I have had I had a car accident, and I chose acupuncture. A lot of people like acupuncture, that's for sure. And and uh, and I have friends who are homeopathic physicians, and I've used Arnica you know, when I've been hurt, let's say. Well, you and
1: know, and natural remedies um, shouldn't be confused with homeopathy. Right, that's different. I don't
0: know if decide. you're including natural remedies when you say homeopathic, because it's no. different. No,
2: herbal medicine is separate from homeopathic, but I do right. use homeopathic uh, remedies sometimes. But, again, let the market decide. Oh, agree. There's, there's, there's definitely a need for drugs out there. I'm but, not going to
0: knock it if yeah. somebody says they've had a good experience, but at the same time, you know, you could be experiencing a placebo effect as well. Uh, well that's, that's frequently what people, uh, you know, a lot of the scam artists in the uh, the, the natural solution or natural remedy industry sure. will, will utilize. Sure. Uh, I was just watching one of these uh, YouTube videos on One of the silliest things, They're, they have these little foot baths that they claim will suck the toxins out of the bottom of your feet. And really, it's uh, essentially it's, a, it's a, a, a process involving science in that there's some sort of, I think, uh, like, I guess, rust in the bottom of one of these things. And it combines with the salt water. There's some physics going on there mm-hmm. to where this machine basically generates dark looking water. And so it starts out clear. When they pour the water in, it's clear. You put your feet in there, and it progressively gets darker and darker. It's just a scientific process that's going on to make the, the, the victims, if you will, believe that they're having their toxins leached from their body when, in fact, it's complete bunk. So there's so much bunk out there. and sure. And, and, and the, the existence of the bunk completely points out to people. It should point out to you that the FDA isn't out there protecting you. The FDA is not out there looking out for you. There's all kinds of crap in the marketplace. And you need to be, you know, caveat emptor, buyer beware, sure. do the research before you get into this stuff.
2: A lot of people would say that the conventional medicine has a lot of the same bunk in it, too. I would I agree, know, yeah. a, a, It's just officially sanctioned bunk that yeah. makes somebody a lot of money, but you have to always you be You don't skeptical. necessarily
0: need the surgery they're telling you you need.
2: That's right, or, or the drugs in, in some cases, uh, or the whatever it might be. And it tends to be yeah. very invasive. And, and if, let's just say that homeopathic remedies are, are placebo effect and it it works for you well, what's wrong with that? It's better than poisoning yourself
0: nothing's wrong with <laughs> that at all uh- but-
2: yeah, I was going to say that there is a lot of um, third-party independent research on, on homeopathics, and, and uh, they do work quite well. Like there's one for the flu you can get in any store. Try it sometime when you feel like you come down the flu. It, I, I did
1: mean, once, and I didn't, you know, really feel like I got anything out of it. But who knows? You know, the flu it's gonna it's gonna go when it goes, and it's it's hard to know. Eight
0: hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one sacl C A I toll free line. We're continuing here in moments with hour number three of the show. You can call in about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. cai toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. On 800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there completely free, so enjoy them on us. That's freetalklive.com. Still to come, Wayne has some interesting definitions uh, on the part of the federal government in regards to the whole terrorism situation. We hopefully will get to that, but your calls are primary. So we go to the Ampline to talk to Dennis in New Hampshire. Dennis, you're on Free Talk Live.
9: Good evening, guys.
0: Hey, what's on your mind
9: tonight? So today was kind of a, a, a banner day in the history of the freedom movement, in my opinion. Really? Why?
1: Didn't feel like a banner day. Tell me about it.
9: <laughs> well, you you weren't there, man. Um, <laughs> We we did something today that we're, we're probably going to do now as, with the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance um, every time that the, legis- that the House of Representatives gets together and votes. The Republicans and the Democrats every week, they kind of compile a party list of how they think that their good party members should vote. Mm-hmm it's It's not like they have to, but they get a little piece of paper that says for this bill, you should vote this way because this is the standard party talking
0: point, right, so they don't have to think yeah. basically, okay <laughs> yeah so they don't have to read the bills, right God does so,
1: they wouldn't want to uh you know be responsible for their you know their vote or anything?
9: well, a lot of times for a lot of the things you know it's if they haven't looked at it closely, then they don't know, then you know anyways, Cliff notes. So I, I think we've got to be the only legislature in the country that now has a libertarian voting recommendation that goes out to the representatives every time they uh, they hit the floor.
2: Now you don't use that
1: terminology, libertarian. You use NHLA.
9: Oh uh, yeah, we use we use Liberty Alliance okay. but it's you know, if, if you ask anybody they'll say, Oh yeah, you guys are the libertarians, right?
0: So how okay. is this getting distributed to these people? How does that work?
9: It's very low tech. We make four hundred photocopies and we stand there and hand them out as they walk in.
0: Okay. And this was
1: successful in some
9: way? Yeah, it was. Um First of all, there was a brilliant, brilliant idea because the Republicans have what they call a pink sheet. The, the Democrats usually have the blue stuff. So, you know, we, we labeled it the gold standard.
0: Gold, yeah. hoping <laughs> so for that one.
9: That was so fun. Every, you know, gold standard, sir? Representative, a gold standard this morning. <laughs> um, and it generated a whole lot of discussion. There, there was a case, uh, we, we sort of previewed it to the uh, Republican, um, co- or a, a bunch of Republicans yesterday, uh the ones that are sort of more libertarian leaning. And they were looking over the list of bills and you know talking amongst themselves and they were loving it really. They they like I mean because we produce a scorecard, they wanna they wanna help their letter grade, right? Good. There there was a case of a bill that basically makes it illegal to charge too much interest. It's one of these things against those payday loan places. Mm-hmm. And so it would say that uh, usury is officially defined at some percentage and that you can't, you can't loan at that amount. And, of course, we were against that bill because it puts the government in between a voluntary exchange of individuals. Sure. And there's one lady representative who was looking at that, and she just could not, you know, that's just wrong. We need to stop that. And then we had all the other Republicans there trying to explain to her that the government doesn't belong in this kind of a – it was nice seeing the Republicans try to, you know, push one of the other ones towards – it was pretty fun.
0: Wow, yeah. very cool, Dennis. And there's no doubt that there's some interesting developments happening here in New Hampshire as part of... Uh, effort, because of efforts by great activists like you. And these are things that just aren't happening anywhere else in the country. So I think this is wonderful because you guys at the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance had come out with a rating system where each uh, representative has been great. They get graded every single year based on how they vote, whether or not they're voting in a pro liberty manner. And now they're going to know in advance because now that we, I guess they could have made the argument well, I wasn't sure how to vote on this. Well, now they're going to know in advance that if they vote against the goal. standard against your uh, your little info sheet that that's going to result in them losing uh, losing points to their their year-end grade and that's that's a, a little extra motivation for them
9: and this stuff is really only made possible because there are so many new activists coming in i mean there are dozens of people who read all the bills and score them so that we know what's going on and we know it ahead of time like we know ahead of before they vote so that's huge And then on top of that, there are the volunteer that stepped forward and said he's willing to put together the the little sheet and to review which things should go on the sheet and make it, you know, nice, attractive to the eye that you Mm -hmm. can easily see how you're supposed to vote. Um, It's just amazing getting lots of help from a lot of people and, you know, libertarians willing to not just argue amongst themselves. Brilliant, Dennis.
0: Anything else on your mind tonight? That's that. Thanks for the call. And keep us in the loop on this, all right? It's very interesting. Outstanding. Right Thanks, dude. I think
1: the NH- NHLA is probably, uh, you know, just as far as effectiveness, doing the most for liberty here in New Hampshire. And they really need yeah, this, so. the support of free staters all over America to begin moving, the, uh, be early movers, and come here and support this great work.
0: I'd say they're doing more than the Libertarian Party's doing in this state. Uh, it, it's pretty, yes. At least I don't hear about what the Libertarian Party's doing. I think they're trying to get the Libertarian Party on the ballot one 800 So whether you are someone who is interested in political action, like the things that Dennis is talking about, uh, or you're someone that's interested in outside of the system, apolitical action, like civil disobedience and non-cooperation and uh, just talking about liberty with other people, there's all kinds of neat, exciting, original things to get involved with, right here in New Hampshire, as part of the Free State Project. Dennis is an early mover. We're all early movers. Uh, please, if, if something like this is going on in your state, I'd love to hear about it. I don't believe it is. Anywhere. Except here. Uh, so freestateproject.org to learn more about that. 800-259-9231. Jim is on the line in Second Life. Jim, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, how's it going? Hey, great. What's on uh, your mind?
7: I wonder, uh,
10: do you guys ever cover um, the fact that absence has just been legalized?
1: Um, you know, I I don't think we ever did cover it. I heard something about it. I is had it a, true? Yeah, it is. So you
10: don't have yeah, to it, import
0: it anymore. You can make and sell absinthe in America now. No, you,
10: you can't make it. I guess right now there's only two companies that have the license in order to make it. Uh, there's only a certain kind of absinthe, which is like the which has the traditional recipe, which has the low amount of wormwood. But anything higher than that is actually could be dangerous. Hmm. But um. I just heard. I heard about it in uh, like in early January, and my my friends were like freaking out because we've been wanting to try it forever, but none of us just wanted to go down to Mexico and risk, you know, getting caught and all. Well, that Well, now stuff. as
0: I understood it, you could just order it from another country through the mail.
10: Yeah, but the laws are really questionable about it. There was at the time it was something like uh, you can have it imported but you can't drink it. You can't sell it. And it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. And I've heard a lot of people saying that they bought it and it's, it was uh, intercepted.
0: So. Wow. Okay. So now is a federal change that happened. So are these companies that can make it, manufacture it, are they federally licensed? Uh,
10: I I assume so. I haven't looked into it too much, but I guess the FDA has approved uh, two companies to, to sell absinthe in America. And uh, wow. I, I actually, we went down and tried some of it and uh, the whole hallucination thing—it was—we found out it was a myth. We had to find that out firsthand. Hmm. But well, you drink enough
1: alcohol—you'll um, enough of any type of alcohol—you'll
2: yeah. hallucinate something. But it—you know—it's gonna be dangerous. What is the effect of the drug on, on you?
10: Um, basically, take all the good things about being drunk and take away all the bad things. Uh, you know, the, the drunken stupor, the stumbling, the hangover.
1: You're telling me that. that the alcohol, that the absinthe, is different than other alcohol in this
10: respect. Um, it's the combination. From what I hear, it's the combination of all the herbs in it, mm-hmm. and then the wormwood. All kind of together gives you this feeling of kind of being well, kind of like being drunk, yeah, but I, you're not really drunk.
1: I, I've heard. I mean, like people have told me that. Well, you can't get a hangover from vodka, and they're wrong. Okay, <laughs> no, <I've been> <laughs> I, the I know that's true.
3: Vodka.
1: <laughs> right, and I'm I'm just wondering. I've, I've got that same feeling now. I've been burned once by folks telling me about alcohol not having bad effects.
0: Tequila. Where did you go to get this, Jim? um,
9: There was actually
10: a liquor store right right in town that's actually down the street. They specialize in having exotic uh, uh, wines and and beers and and liquors and stuff like that, and they were one of the first people to get it. They're the only ones I know that that still has it, but it cost like $72
0: a bottle. Whoa! (laughs) Now, that wasn't made domestically. Was that imported absinthe? Yeah, yeah, it was made in France. I okay, mean, that explains gonna, it. They're going to enterprise
1: who, on that as long as they can, you know, that it's it's brand new and nobody's tried it. Well, if it's, it's
0: coming from France, it's an import, so that explains the uh, the high price. Yeah, there's lots of imported liquors.
10: <laughs> but between three people, we were all feeling pretty good, and we didn't even get a, a quarter way through the bottle. It's not really the alcohol that's doing it. It has a really high alcohol content. But it wasn't really
0: that that. Getting at, so. Very interesting. Jim, thanks for the call tonight. We appreciate it. 800 259 9231. I remember we had uh, Crackhead Bill on the show years ago, and he was actually on absinthe in our studio. It was kind of fun. Uh, more on the way. I didn't try it, but well, maybe I will. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And, Wayne, And, Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those on us. And they include, by the way, the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about, that shrine com.
1: Now you can save time and money on common legal matters created in top uh, created by top attorneys. LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or a living trust in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. It's fast and easy. LegalZoom.com.
0: Continuing with your phone calls, we go to Sam in Texas on the Amp line. Sam, what's hey, on your I've, mind?
11: I've tried this uh, absence thing. I've, I brought a bottle back from Amsterdam about a year ago. Mm-hmm and some friends took it and it's really I don't think it's any different than like Everclear would be Hmm. Uh, the hallucinogen that used to be in it was some kind of contaminant um, like copper or mercury if you look up the wiki page on it it's got the details in there
0: so it wasn't wormwood that was causing the uh, hallucinations right it's not the
11: wormwood at all so I've I've purchased that bottle and uh, you know I asked the guy what's the best one and I supposedly got the highest concentration and Really, it was just an a awful-tasting uh, liquor.
1: <laughs> taste of, th- does it taste like licorice, kind of? Anise? It's,
11: uh, well, what I had what was actually purple instead of the anise. green. I thought, wait, I don't know if I caught that mark. What was it? <laughs>
1: I asked, does it taste like licorice? And then, uh, you know, comma, anise. Anise is the, uh, I believe, the plant from which yeah. licorice How do you spell right? that? A-N-I-S. Okay. <laughs> like anisette is made from anise.
0: Just making sure we weren't pandering. It tastes like <laughs> <laughs> or you were calling Dine. Sam names.
11: It tastes like turpentine, and to show you just what the power of suggestion can do, I saw a video of uh, one of the major universities that they threw this party, and as a prank, they ordered kegs of non-alcoholic beer.
0: Ah, that's awesome.
11: And there were people unable to stand up, falling over drunk, (laughs) and even people that threw up from drinking non-alcoholic beer.
0: Incredible. Where was this, YouTube?
11: Yeah, it was a dig article a while back. And it was done a few years ago, and they videoed it, and the people were like, "Oh, I'm so drunk, you know."
2: That it's is only not on a of beer. Well, they wouldn't get a DUI then. I guess not. They get pulled over.
0: You know, I think similar things have been done uh, when it comes to coffee, decaf versus caffeinated. Mm -hmm. I know that uh, one of the places Julia used to work at, they regularly never made caffeinated coffee. They just made decaf and served it as though it was regular coffee, and no one ever was the wiser.
1: Well, I I, I do that pretty much every time I make coffee. I offer people that come to my home coffee. The coffee at my house is is decaf decaf because Mm -hmm. I have, you know, a reaction to caffeine, Mm -hmm. and... uh, Nobody ever says anything. Oh,
11: well, they're going to be demanding caffeinated coffee now, Mark.
1: Nah, eh, well,
2: yeah. you know I can't drink. Luck. I can't drink caffeine either. And, and when I go to a restaurant and I order decaf, there's been a few times where they've given me caffeinated by accident or, or whatever, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I could not sleep that night. I would be up until four, or five o'clock in the morning, tapping my toes, singing songs, <laughs> listening to my wife snore.
11: Did y'all see the video of the guy who hit uh, every Starbucks coffee in New York City? It was like. 400 in one day and he had an espresso or some coffee drink at each one
0: that's madness no but i didn't the end of see that. It, he was
11: just shaking like crazy okay? i can't believe he survived wow. well I,
1: caffeine is relatively um harmless they, they say that it really can't hurt you it's a drug out there that just doesn't do anything you know, I, I, you know it, it can't I don't know, hurt you man, anything in excess. Kind of thing. Uh,
0: how do you know that
1: well this guy made it through
0: yeah, but if what if he did that every day? I mean, that wouldn't be good.
2: Mm. Well, can you imagine somebody it's drinking 400, well, 400 cups of coffee body. every day? The worst part about caffeine is, is it affects the central nervous system, and some people are affected uh, differently than others. Mm. There's also a substance called matine, which is kind of the mirror image of the caffeine molecule, only it doesn't affect your central nervous system, but it does give you the energy like coffee. And some teas in South America contain matine, which is what I drink in the morning sometimes if... Instead of coffee
0: one of the worst things about caffeine does matine have this, where it's the diuretic effect where you have to pee real bad usually after you um
2: I think you got to pretty much uh with a lot of those things, yeah, you, somewhat but not as badly as coffee, but yeah, it does it does give you the urge to go to the bathroom
0: well, obviously, Mark, if you drink enough water, you're going to have to go to the bathroom, but caffeine seems to make it happen faster it does. Sam, anything else on your mind?
11: You really can't talk
0: about anything on free talk Live. I really can. Thanks for the call, dude. Appreciate <laughs> it. 800-259-9231 and I want to see that video of the college kids. Someone can find that, post it on the BBS or or email it. I I find that hilarious. And I just just thinking about it because I used to know that uh there was an instance that happened when I was growing up in high school where something similar occurred. One of our friends was trying to be cool or whatever, what people in high school perceive as cool, I guess. And uh, he was trying to, I, I guess, get drunk, but the fact is he wasn't drinking alcohol. He was drinking, like, you know, O'Doul's something similar to that. Mm. And he was acting as though he were, you know, was drunk but we all knew he wasn't. So I don't know. I wonder how much of that is the power of suggestion and how much of it is individuals simply wanting to appear as though they are inebriated. How many people were, were making some level of conscious choice to become an inebriated versus uh, who actually believed they were getting that way? I find that fascinating.
2: You know one time I was in an acting class and we were doing this scene where we were smoking a joint mm-hmm. and we had to kind of become high right and by the
0: time i got through i i really felt high <laughs> interesting yeah so i, I think the, i think he's right though the power of suggestion is very very uh very powerful and something worth looking at by the study. way it,
2: it was an air joint it wasn't even you know there was nothing there
0: nothing there yeah one eight
2: hundred
0: two five nine ninety two thirty one. 259 9231 we were talking off the air i think about the plase- placebo effect or no i think i guess that was on the air uh continuing here with your phone calls vince in indiana you're on free talk live
10: Yes, gentlemen, I just started listening to you here a few minutes ago, but I didn't, I was going to ask you about the FISA Act. They were talking about that today and how they could read people's emails was one part of the legislation. And then how to track people, they could track them in foreign countries,
5: but they, they they
10: complain once they get in the United States, which is like they're United States citizens. And that, uh, what they want to do is give the local law enforcement agencies the ability to snoop on people.
0: Well, they don't have that already?
10: Oh, they have that.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, they're doing it, but, <laughs> yeah, they're doing, they're it. doing it. They're doing it. <laughs> the legality is being is questionable. Now they don't even have to ask a judge, basically, right? No. Or it'll get rubber-stamped even easier than it did in the past.
10: it be rubber-stamped by a star court or a
0: secret court. So, now, what is this visa, you said? It's FISA. FISA. They also... FISA. F I F A. Oh, the FISA courts. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember remember that story. So what's yeah. what's new with this? I mean, you're saying that the uh, these this is sort They're of old news to at this point.
11: Expand it more to the local levels.
0: Oh, okay, okay. We're so now that the federal emails. government has the power for the rubber stamp court, uh, now it's going to go local. Is what you're saying?
10: Yes, and they, they want to read your emails. And Great. Read, go ahead, read my emails.
3: Oh, well, I mean.
0: I you know, some people always ask, you know, some people have asked me, why don't I encrypt my communications? I don't care. Go ahead, government, read my emails.
2: You'll take one person just to read all your emails at full time.
0: <laughs> Please. Yeah, maybe they could uh, select the ones that are more interesting for me while they're at it. Vince, thanks for bringing that up tonight. Uh, it is something to be concerned about. In fact, uh, we're going to get into it here in a little bit. Uh, thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. Wayne's got some interesting definitions that have to do with uh, what is terrorism, what is... I uh, don't know what the other words are. I haven't read the story, but Wayne will give it to us here in moments. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. 800-259-9231. The definitions might be a little, loose, a little more loose than you might have thought. Uh, this is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, Is your show. You can bring up whatever you want, toll-free. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, uh, get signed up for the updates at updates.freetalklive.com, and we will keep you in the loop whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. That's updates dot dot com. Uh, we'll talk terror in a moment, but first we go to the amp line and talk to Matt in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live, Matt. Hey guys. Hey, what's on your mind?
12: Uh, you guys are just talking about uh, absinthe and placebo effects and all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it's weird. I was talking about absinthe. I've never had it, but I was talking to a uh, bartender about it um, just last Friday,
3: mm-hmm.
12: and uh, he was. He was saying that it was, in fact, the wormwood that causes the hallucinogenic effect, and that the stuff made in the United States uh, isn't made the same way as as he said the only the only way or the only stuff that's any good is if you go down to mexico uh South America and get now
0: banned. wait a minute, when was this conversation taking place
12: last friday
0: so he was he referring to the now legalized absinthe or just <laughs>
12: No, uh, we, he 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 said it was still illegal, so he was under the impression that we, you you couldn't get it. He had heard me and a buddy talking about uh, the government putting its nose into everything, and he he brought he brought up the absinthe um, controversy. Hmm. And so me and the friend were going, well, we should try that because the government doesn't want us to, so we should try
0: it. Yeah, I remember, I remember doing some research into absinthe, and this is all from memory, and and we. I just didn't think to pull it up during the break or anything like that. But as I recall, the the substance that comes from wormwood is called thujone, and that is supposed to be what causes halluc- the hallucinations. So an earlier caller suggested that that wasn't the case at all, that there weren't necessarily hallucinations, but now you're suggesting that the stuff he had to drink wasn't necessarily the real stuff.
12: Right, but it didn't have the wormwood or the or the chemical in it that causes the hallucination or whatever. At least according to the bartender. Now, I don't know. I've never, I've never looked into it. I've never studied. I'm just going by what this uh, bartender was saying. So.
1: And he sounded very authoritative.
12: <laughs> yes, he did. He, he sounded authoritative <laughs> at the time. Sounded like he knew what he was talking about. And it's anise. It's not anise. It's anise. anise. Is that how you pronounce Anise. It? Huh. Anise. So. Uh, All right. And the other thing is, and and this is kind of strange, and I hate to admit it. I I hate to even talk about it and bring it up. I know you guys are going to laugh. But one of the drunkest I've ever been is off a non-alcoholic beer. Really? And I knew I was drinking
0: non-alcoholic beer. Were you an alcoholic at one time? Um, No. Because uh, um, one of our former co-hosts used to be an alcoholic, and he's gotten this – his level of sensitivity has increased so much – to where if he does even have a little bit of, of N.A. beer, it will just set him off and he will be wasted. So I, I, I've, ex- I've heard of people experiencing similar things, but you weren't an alcoholic. Well,
12: that's kind of strange. Back at the time, I was drinking heavily. So I may have been. I don't know. I, huh. was, I was really drinking heavily. But it, it happened at an office party, and um, I work in the vending industry, and we had a show. So we had all kinds of customers come in after work. And so I limited myself. Now, I did have one drink. I had, like, um, some kind of uh, rum and coke or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I knew I was driving home, so I didn't want to get drunk. So I switched right away to drinking Sharps, which is a non-alcoholic beer. Right. And I suddenly found myself really drunk.
3: Wow.
12: And it was a strange feeling because I knew I was drunk, and I knew I shouldn't be drunk.
2: Isn't there a very, very, very low concentration of
0: alcohol even in non-alcoholic beer? Yes, like 0.05%. It's
12: less, there's less alcohol in non-alcoholic beer than there is in orange juice.
0: There's alcohol in orange juice just from fermentation?
12: Yes. There's wow. A, there's a small amount of alcohol in orange juice and all kinds of fruit juices.
0: That's a shocker. Hmm. So what did you end up doing that night?
12: Um, well, I drove home. Um, <laughs> if I had gotten pulled over, which fortunately at that point in my life, I almost never got pulled over. So, mm. um, you know, so I'm lucky. I, you know, I didn't get pulled over or anything else, but I did drive home.
2: Well, your blood alcohol level probably would have been legal, though, even though you felt drunk.
12: It, it could have been, but I was probably dangerous on the road. You know, there there was times uh, back then, and you know, maybe I was an alcoholic if you want to um, <laughs> okay. be an Begrudgingly admitting <laughs> his alcoholism. Because when I was in my, uh, my uh, late 20s, Early 30s, there there was times when um, I'd drive home, and the next day I did not remember oh how I got home. And, Yikes. you know, that's kind of scary when that starts happening.
0: Interesting story, sir. Thank you for sharing it with us tonight. Thank right. you for the call. 800-259-9231. Not that Wikipedia is the end-all, be-all of information here, but it claims that Thujone, which is contained in a number of plants, including wormwood, According to Wikipedia, it is apparently not responsible for absinthe's reported hallucinogenic effects. So, there's a little more
1: information. For and it. Jim from Second Life uh, says that his had said that his had wormwood anyway. So, I mean, eight hundred two five nine ninety two
0: thirty one. Though it was vilified, no evidence shows it to be any more dangerous or psychoactive than ordinary alcohol. That's what the in- entry for absinthe says in Wikipedia, and it does have a citation from a study called absinthism a fictitious 19th century century syndrome with present impact well, so it, it sounds like it's just got some good pr yeah
1: it you know and and it's that's and that's fine you know sure <laughs> it's uh, as long as it's good for those folks selling absinthe and some people wanna sip absinthe and think that they're uh, you know uh, an artist <laughs> in uh, <laughs> 1850s france that's
0: fabulous let's go to the phones talk to dave in montana listening on kg easy hey dave hey dave how you been? Great. What's on your mind? Hey,
13: uh, I think the absence that you're talking about back in the, the 1900s had opium in it back then. They, really? They threw a lot of opium in everything back then.
0: That'll do it, huh? Oh, yeah. Have you ever done any opium?
13: Uh, when I was in China. Was really? This.
2: Well, in South America, they chew on coca leaves, which is yeah. what they make cocaine out of. and it's, they, just, they serve them in restaurants in little bowls.
13: Yeah, I, I think if you do it in the natural way, it, it's all right. Like, if, you know, you make tea out of the poppy. You
3: could mm-hmm.
13: not get addicted off of the opium in it if you just made a tea out of it. So when you break it down into the chemical, uh, the element, you know, man adds a uh, little knowledge and takes out the the pure chemical and then wants to do the pure chemical and wonder why he dies when he does it. It's
0: an interesting observation. I, myself, had not had the, uh, have not had the opportunity. Heard it's interesting, though, opium.
2: Yeah, same with sugarcane. Well, sugarcane uh, sugar workers chew on sugarcane leaves and never get diabetes or anything, but if you take the sugar and refine it down to the pure uh, sucrose, then it becomes harmful to the body
13: dangerous to you right you, you take, like a drug. take it out of a natural way it was given to us
0: Dave, you're yeah. the man thanks for the call tonight mm. dude appreciate it 800-259-9231 we will talk to michael in utah you're on free talk live michael
10: hey how you guys doing
0: hey Good. great what's on your mind
10: Good. Hey, I called the other day about the. uh, You guys talked to me about my underwear for probably forty-five minutes the other day. We did. Uh, Thank you. I haven't. Yeah, my. my Oh right, the magic
0: underwear, underwear, the the Mormon. (laughs) (laughs) Got it.
10: Thank you. I haven't been. uh, I haven't been so aroused with my underwear and other men for a long time. There There you go. um, uh, I actually was calling tonight because I wanted to. uh, I was thinking about the forum that you guys run, the very open, uh, you know, call in and talk about whatever you want to forum.
3: The show, and, yeah.
10: Yeah, the show, yeah, the, the, the type of show that you guys run. And uh, I think that it's a really good indicator of uh, intelligence, that kind of thing. And uh, I just was uh, curious about your guys' take on that. Uh, obviously, I don't need you to toot your own horn, but it seems to me that libertarians, uh, at least you know, since I've been associated with any kind of libertarian party or way of thinking, people get together and they discuss things in a very open way, and it's really not um, – you know, limited by the normal constructs or constraints that uh, average conversation is, well, and it seems to me to be an indicator of intelligence. And I'm sure that we're not, you know, any more intelligent than I'm not,
1: different processes. I'm not sure it's intelligence ahead. as much as confidence in uh, what it is that we believe. We uh, we you know really do have a show where, and, and you know because you've called, you can call in about anything, and you know we'll talk to you. We're not scared like a lot of the uh, talking heads like on Sean radio. Hannity. To talk to somebody about issues, to have, uh, you know, to keep people on the air and uh, talk to them about what it is they want to talk about because
0: libertarianism works. Liberty works. I want uh, Wayne to address the question as well. Michael, hang on. We're bringing you back for more. 800 259 9231. Gilbert's on the line. Your calls as well. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only have a few more moments remaining, but just enough time for your call. 800-259-9231, the Sakel CAI toll-free line for you. It's 1-800-259-9231, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Now, if you enjoy the program, you want to help Free Talk Live out, well, go and shop at our store. Head over to store.freetalklive.com. You can order great Free Talk Live branded merchandise. Uh, we've got a variety of Free Talk Live hats. Uh, we've got, I don't know what the different styles are, but regular hat Uh, we have one of those in two different colors we also have the special color block cap which you are frequently seen sporting around during the summer months mark and it's a nice looking hat yeah uh also for the the colder uh months we also have a a winter cap there's uh, a really
1: yeah there's a couple of them and uh the one that I saw for the first time had the free talk live written around the that's a a nice
0: that's a nice cap it's soft I was impressed with that one. Yeah, so, uh, very head, well made. Head over all of our products uh, of the highest quality. Head over to store.freetalklive.com and place your order. That's store.freetalklive.com. Oh, and I should add, there's a special offer, which Johnson has yet to send me the details on. He called in last night about it. But apparently the next ten orders, and I don't know if some have already been placed. I don't follow the orders. Uh, but apparently the next few orders that are over $75 Johnson's going to throw in a copy of Barry Cooper's Never Get Busted DVD. So if your order totals over $75, uh, you're going to get a free $20 DVD, which is pretty cool. So thanks to Barry from NeverGetBusted.com for that one. 800-259-9231, we go back to Michael in Utah. Michael, your question was basically, do you think that libertarians are somehow smarter than other people? Is that what you were suggesting? Well, it's more of
10: a, just the, the way that libertarians talk and the, uh, you know, the openness of, uh, of conversation, uh, at least in my experience, is that you know, it's something that you see in more intelligent people, and I don't know if it's necessarily that, that libertarians in general are more intelligent than other people. I just think that maybe it's, it's something that we reach, and it could be just because I've come to this conclusion as well, but a conclusion that maybe intelligent people reach after a period of time just because that's the correct conclusion, almost.
2: You know, I think libertarians have more courage than the average person. Some people can be very intelligent, but they try to play it safe, and they and they end up uh, uh, trapping themselves in a little box of thought. And libertarians tend to be critical thinking, and they tend to be have more courage, I think, intellectually. Anyway, and and you know, a lot of people, whether they're liberals or, or so-called conservatives, when they're exposed to these ideas long enough, they do come over uh, because
0: you know the logic is undeniable. I don't think it's an inch I don't think it's an issue of intelligence as much as it is uh, simply information. I think that libertarians have come across some very very valuable information and ideas they have accepted them. They've analyzed them, as you say, critical thinking. Uh, they've analyzed them and, and accepted them and internalized them, and I think that it's just that they, they got lucky, and they happened to meet the right person or come across the right radio show or whatever their, their process was. They found that information. They accepted it. I don't think it's necessarily an intelligence factor, though certainly uh, you know, a uh, someone with an IQ of Fifty may have a little tougher time grasping some of these ideas, but they're not really that complex. Do no harm. I mean, it's not hard to understand that. So I think it's really just a matter of ignorance more so than anything else. And I think there's a, bi- a big difference between being stupid and being ignorant. Being in the dark and actually being dumb are two completely different worlds. So I think it's really just a matter of, of, of lack of information well, in having it. Yeah, the word ignorant
2: comes from the word ignore. So people can be very intelligent, but they're ignoring the facts.
0: Michael, any other thoughts that, from you?
10: Yeah, I think that uh, I think you guys are actually right. I hadn't really thought about that, especially the issue of courage hadn't really come across my mind before. But I can see where you're coming from on that, especially in experience in my life. Actually, uh, I have a friend who I've known since high school in debate class, and uh, you know it was full of intelligent people that were actually a lot of them were. Very uh, very dumb intelligent people uh, which exist. I'm sure you guys know that. But uh, well,
0: no, no, I don't know if it's again dumb is uh, suggests that they're stupid or in some way deficient, and I don't think that's the case. I think that they're intelligent. But with the wrong information they uh they, they've been indoctrinated with bad ideas, so they're very, very smart, but they that doesn't necessarily mean that they're holding on to the right concepts and, and a lot of people are oh, afraid to yeah, go I wasn't, against the mainstream I wasn't
10: my story I was actually that was just a, a generalization uh, of the people in that class, which uh, specifically there were actually in that class a lot of very dumb, intelligent people I'll tell you okay but um the, uh, the person that I was talking to Or talking about Is uh, a person that was libertarian For a long time And then um, You know We finished high school And I don't know exactly What happened But then We started having conversations again And uh, he Recently has started to say that Oh libertarianism is, is wrong Because of this and this and this And you know His whole concept is That libertarianism Ultimately leads to chaos And uh, you know Anarchy Which uh, you know I disagree I think that the, Of course You know For the obvious reasons That you can take any anything to its extreme and say what its extreme will be, but uh, firstly, the likelihood of that extreme ever occurring is not very much, and then secondly, you can say what you want it to be, but you never really know until you get there. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, the the issue of courage, I think, is actually probably what that has come to be with him. I think that there's uh, a lot of arguments that we talk, you know, that we get into about libertarianism, where he will kind of follow, uh, you know, a line of logic or a line of thought, that gets to a place that doesn't really that doesn't really make sense if you look at it in the overall picture, but he'll buy into very small, uh, you know, logical concessions so that he can reach this other conclusion. Mm. And I've kind of been racking my mind about how, you know, how can an intelligent person uh you know, he know I know that he knows what he's talking about. I know that he's he's seen it from my point of view in the past and uh or at least a similar one. And it's hard for me to, to kind of figure out how he's come to the conclusions that he has, uh, you know, willfully making these concessions to general logic. But,
0: Confirmation bias, perhaps?
10: Uh, yeah, well, yeah. And also, you know, the courage issue is definitely one of those things, too. I think that he, he probably got into a conversation with somebody else that said something that was convincing about, you know, anarchy and, and destruction and, you know, uh, <laughs> chaos and things like this. And uh, he, it seems that he just kind of got scared about that almost and was like, well, I'm going to back off a bit and uh, mm-hmm. almost kind of decided that he wasn't going to, you know, what arguments he could put in place for himself to believe that libertarianism was no longer the answer for
0: him. Interesting. Very good, man, and thank you for the call. Appreciate the discussion tonight. 800-259-9231. I think the courage issue is important. I think that I think that when people are new to liberty that uh, and they continue to progress and learn more and become further and further outraged about the different things that government is doing. And I would describe them as very chaotic. I would describe what we have today as quite chaotic in that we've got a band of men and women calling themselves government going around and forcing their way on others by threatening violence and threatening jail and threatening all all sorts of consequences. to uh, That's chaos to me, where you've got a band of brigands going around trying to rule your life. That seems chaotic. But I think that people who are in the liberty movement grow in their courage. I think that you you plant some seeds early on with the ideas of liberty, and as those continue to sprout, and you, you compare what we could have with the free marketplace and and liberty to what we have now with this... All ever-increasing tyrannical government, this uh, these rules and regulations and just absurdities. I think that people's courage grows over time. I know mine has. I know that I've got a lot more courage today than I did when I first opened Harry Brown's book, Why Government Doesn't Work, you know, almost ten years ago. I think, Mark, I've seen you grow in your, your level of courage. Uh, you're talking about doing some interesting things with the gun laws here in New Hampshire now that I don't think you would have done uh, five or ten years ago for sure bother. Uh, no. Maybe we can talk more about that on some other some other day as you get closer with uh, with your plans and and refine them. But but I see it everywhere. Wayne, have you seen that in your life as well? Yeah, and that's one thing I've noticed about libertarians. When you when you sit in a
2: room full of li- libertarians, they dare to go against the mainstream. Just like Ron and Paul sometimes is the only no vote. On a lot of these laws, yeah, because he has the courage to to stick by his principles, and he doesn't care about being popular. He doesn't care about fitting in with the mainstream. Right, he does what he feels feels is right, and and that's what it's all about.
0: Let's go to the phones. Uh, Just enough time for Gilbert in Minnesota. Gilbert, you're on Free Talk Live.
8: Hi, I just wanted to call in with the last word on absinthe. All right. Um, I don't know what other. uh effects it might have, but I do know that absence makes the heart grow fonder.
0: Uh, that's cute. <laughs>
2: makes the head grow fonder.
0: <laughs> I should have had my rim shot ready for that. I well, didn't, I, uh, who, who would have saw, seen that coming? Yeah, I didn't see that one coming. Is that all you had, Gilbert. <laughs> That's it. Thanks for Thank the call. You. Very cute. Wayne, uh, we are almost out of time, but I, I wanted you to get at least a point out about your story tonight, the uh, definitions in regards to terrorism.
2: Yeah, there was an article, an essay by Paul Craig Roberts that came out about 10 days ago that was fairly disturbing. It's called Thinking for Yourself is Now a Crime. I would encourage you to Google that. And it's basically about the uh, law they just passed called the Violent Radicalization and Homegrown Terrorism Prevention Act of 2007. Otherwise known as HR 1955. Now, first, Paul Craig Roberts is no ordinary dissenter. This guy was the Assistant Secretary of the Treasury in the Reagan administration. He was the associate editor of the Wall Street Journal editorial page, contributing editor. Oh yeah, of the he's got Review. credibility. I mean, We've read his stuff yeah. before. And and basically, he he's he's come out really lately. I mean, with all these laws they're passing, if you read his editorials, you will be shocked that someone like this could actually come out against the administration and the establishment he was an establishment guy. At so one it's time.
0: getting close to the point where if you speak out, you could be labeled a, uh, an appeaser of the terrorists.
2: Basically, yes. And we're talking about, they're talking about, uh, ideas being a crime.
0: Wow. Uh, more on the way tomorrow night. Join us then. FreeTalkLive.com in the meantime.